Welcome to Paranormal Gateway Horror Club. My name is Scott Wise, the host of the other host, Teresa, will be watching, but she's unable to join tonight. We have a very special third light, a very dear friend of mine for over 12 years, when my current personal team was invited to be on a radio show to share some of our audio files or EVPs on the air. John is a medium and paranormal investigator with Team Ghostfire Investigations and also a radio show host of Soul Stream Radio on Twitch. John has graciously allowed us to play some of his best EVPs on the show tonight. One of those EVP recordings was the air on a sci-fi show, Hall of Highway, debuting an EVP recording of a little boy whose voice called out to where a gravestone stood at Pioneer Cemetery in the Goldwater City of Coloma, California. Many of his audio files are very clear, but I suggest wearing headphones tonight if available. So I'll throw a dude that's for John on. All right. Hi, John. Hello, so, my friend. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you, too. It's uh, been a while since we've been on the show together, so it should be yeah. a good night. should be yeah, a good I, night. I remember first running into you when I was doing Ghostwriter Paranormal Radio on Blog Talk and uh, having oh, you guys yeah. uh, talking about all your cases with Civil War uh, ghosts yeah. and the EVP oh, yeah. evidence captures and all that. So, yeah, it's... It's like coming home again, you know. So, hello. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're still the same characters, though. We fall for a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. So, John, you know, tell us about yourself. Well, um, I'm, I'm 62 years old, retired. I was a uh, corporate webmaster for a company called Aerojet General. Uh, our business was. Um, spacecraft propulsion and uh, defense technologies, anything to do with uh, liquid fuel and uh, solid rocket motors, liquid fuel rocket engine. There's actually a distinction. You know, any, anything called an engine is liquid and anything uh, solid fuel is a motor. So we made uh, those in every size you can imagine from the tiniest of tiny to uh, all the way up to uh, Saturn, you know, Saturn V, uh, you know, main engines. And I worked on Space Shuttle, Titan, Delta, Wow, that'd be cool. Space telescope <laughs> stuff, uh, all kinds of stuff I can't talk about, you know, uh, uh, and uh, just a lot of fun. You know, that was a really interesting business, but I grew up in it. My father was uh, a, a senior rocket scientist out there. I went into the computer end of things. Uh, I ended up, uh, I wrote a uh, uh, system called Aeroframe. It was used in the uh, War on Terror. And uh, it ended up uh, outlasting my career at Aerojet. I retired, and it took a couple of years before they were able to retire that. So I, I was still there in some capacity uh, after I retired in 2017. But um, uh, all that while, uh, growing up, I was also, you know, my mother's side of the family were all gifted with different psychic and uh, spiritual gifts. And uh, uh, I started having my own experiences from the time I was five years old. I was seeing uh, spirits and having experiences. And my mother never, ever discouraged me with that stuff. And uh, my father uh, my father was the consummate scientist, but uh, he always uh, backed my uh, exploring the universe and the experiences I was having and never really discouraged me, although he would make me... Uh, crazy with sometimes some of the things he would say and he'd say it's all bs and then he'd, <laughs> you know, 
But uh, in the end, he got surprised because uh, when he passed in 2012, uh, his spirit actually was seen by me personally twice in 24 hours. And uh, I got the last laugh on him. So uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, he had to, he had to admit that he was a spirit and uh, I laughed. So yeah. <laughs> Jokes on you, dad. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, he came around for six months, uh, rattling the doorknobs and making appearances in the house now and then and, uh, causing, uh, not general havoc, but he would play jokes and, uh, and he would, uh, sit on my mother's bed at night and she would feel him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I have seen a lot of stuff throughout my life and it's so numerous. I've had so many, uh, face-to-face encounters with spirits and so many experiences with, uh, auditory stuff. I'm clairaudient. Sometimes I hear oh. them. I heard them last night, you know, in my hall, oh, yeah. I live in a haunted house here. So, uh, you know, I'm in the gold country of Northern California, uh, near the town of Coloma, which <laughs> you here. And so I, I'm literally in Spook Central, you know, just like you were out there where you're at, uh, you know, Ohio and, uh, uh, you know, the different places you've been and, and investigated. It, it's just all steeped in this history that um, these spirits just seem to hang around. And uh, we have a lot of them. And I've got uh, three or four bodies that are buried on our property. We've found graves here on the property. I've got six acres here in a little town called Shingle Springs. And, uh, the spirits that have been here, uh, all along, uh, like to come in the house to see what we're doing, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been an experience. My cat freaks out pretty regularly at the stuff going on in here. I kind of know when things are happening cause I'll, I'll look over and she's just like, yeah, like <laughs> there's stuff in the house, dad. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, uh, you're a um, haunted guy, you know, that's me. Yeah, that there's a spirit on your property. Do you know who they are? Do, do you research anything on them? Well, I did a lot of research to try to understand what was happening on the property. And uh, it, when we first cleared the land here, there was actually an open space where we figured there had been a um, mid-1800s community. And it turned out in the research I did, is that there were little uh, settle, uh, settlements, like uh, four or five buildings on a property. And uh, this place had a blacksmith shop and there were a few other buildings where they were, uh, uh, they were actually digging in a small uh, periodic stream that comes through here. It's a seasonal creek uh, just to my uh, west. And the, uh, they were mining there. And there's an old uh, Chinese rock wall that's built at the very north end of the property on the northwest side that um, where they had been doing a lot of their work. Well, we have what we feel to be uh, the body of a young girl that was murdered out there. Uh, more than one medium who came to the property. We're talking about this woman that we were seeing, a young girl. I would say she was 18, maybe 19 when she died. And uh, her name was Anna. And uh, I actually helped her cross over because she was basically stuck here and uh she's she's only made one appearance one other time uh after that she appeared once when i was on the air and uh, came and touched me actually while i was broadcasting but and i knew it was her but um the other two that are in that immediate area were not so nice and uh they have been effectively banned from the house they don't they're not the nicest characters they were some of the 
some of the people that I think did that girl in. And then we uh-huh. have um, a number of others who come and go that I've never really knew who they were. But um, when I lived at the, uh, I had a small, uh, we had a small guest apartment in the back that I lived in for a number of years as I was working in Aerojet and I was working night shift uh, after my divorce. And uh, uh, it, I would come home at night and there would be uh, this spirit would come and walk with me. Uh, I would be t- going down the path. You know, I'd c- come into the main house, grab dinner out of the fridge, nuke it, eat, say hi to the folks, and then book it for my place and uh, you know, call it a night. And I'm walking down this path, and uh, for an entire summer, I had this spirit walking with me, and you would hear his footsteps, and it was a heat. And uh, he would follow me down all the way to my place, and I kind of finally got the feeling that it was a benevolent person. He was just making sure I got home okay, you know? And it was like a 350, 400 feet, you know, basically a football mm-hmm. to get there, you know, to the, to the, to the little studio apartment. So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, what other stuff have we had happen? Seen some UFOs here. Um, we've had a number of experiences. I'm writing a book about some of the UFO stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's kind of the parked right now. I'm, I'm finishing a book on EVP right now, but, uh, the UFO book I, I'm mentioning, uh, a couple of triangular craft I saw in the 1990s. I came home from work one night and looked over and here's two triangular shaped craft, one after the other flying the same exact course, uh, to the West side of my property and, um, had the strangest sound I've ever heard, uh, for any kind of air, you know, aeronautical vehicle. Um, you know, they were not, um, they were not anything I've ever seen in the inventory and believe me, I was in the business. So, you know, I, I tend to think I know what's, you know, <laughs> stuff that we're working on, but there were a lot of experimental uh, craft that the military is working on. I'm pretty sure it was probably ours, you know, human created stuff, but it was still quote a UFO because I couldn't identify it. So mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. Uh, but we've had plenty of unknown, strange things happen here on the property uh, over the years. And um, uh, the main thing is the ghosts, you know, you know, they've opened doors and closed them in front of us. I've, I've uh, four weeks ago, I had a run in with a shadow person. I literally was face to face with a shadow person and just right behind me where I'm pointing, uh, coming around the corner with coffee and I run right into a shadow person standing there looking at me. (laughs) It disappeared. It literally disappeared. And I, uh, I've, I don't get freaked out at apparitions anymore. I just went, Oh, hello. And so I went and put my coffee down. I came back out and I said, if you want to touch my hand, put your, you know, put your hand out on mine. And, and every hair on me was standing up, you know, that's the good indicator that you've got a real presence there. And it touched my hand and it felt like a, cool static electricity it was very cool feeling all around my hand and uh, it just was this you know really amazing experience and i said thank you and uh, i wish you <laughs> uh, about my business i don't get freaked out by them anymore um, if they don't do anything right. bad to me i'm usually pretty gracious about it but i have um, developed certain rules for them uh they can't just wander into my room when i'm doing stuff or uh, you know uh you know like being on air uh, they can't come into uh, the room in general because I've put protections in here. Um, I kind of uh, have them that they're allowed to go into the hallway. They can go out to the other studio, uh, my uh, my main studio. I'm in my bedroom studio right now because I just felt like broadcasting here. 
but the main studio, they can come in there anytime they want and uh, hang out with me if I'm on air. But in here, that's there's rules. And uh, the kitchen, they're not allowed because they freak the cat out. So I use uh, stuff called black tourmaline. It's a mm. stone as has uh, anti-spirit properties. It's a very cheap, easy to acquire stone. Uh, that and uh, there's other black stones, uh, your black crystals. Any black crystal really is anti-spirit and it's, uh, it repels them. So I put it all over where I don't want them to be. And they generally don't want to come in and hang out when you've done that. It's uh, right. It just works. So. Yeah, I've got the black tourmaline all over the place. So, yeah, wow. so, yeah. So I, I recommend it to people. You can find it at any you know decent rock shop, you know, or you can get it on uh, online, eBay or Amazon. They have it. So, yeah, yeah, sure kind of here. <laughs> uh, yeah it's uh, uh, spirits. Sometimes they get boundary challenged, and uh, you kind of have to kind of lay down the law and. Uh, uh, I've had a few negative experiences. I've been followed home on an investigation once, uh, me and the whole mm. team, uh, from uh, a uh, boys' reformatory in Ione, California, uh, that was so evil. Uh, I will never go back there. It was the worst experience of my life investigating. Uh, the whole team was calling me, and stuff was happening to all of us. And uh, uh, that's when I just said, that's it. I'm going to uh, protect the home. And uh, we loaded up the the tourmaline everywhere and kind of banished it. But it, it it actually went after my mother. The thing followed me home. I thought I I would have thought it would have come after me, but it went after my mother, and uh, she was able to repel it uh, and uh, basically told it to get the hell out of the house. Uh, she doesn't freak out easy very easy either, and uh, she uh, banished the thing in the name of God, and uh, it didn't like that. And so yeah, there was you know uh, so these things happen. Uh, um, I had on my show some years ago, I was, uh, interviewing, uh, Mark and Debbie Constantino of all people. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Debbie, Debbie no. Constantino, I, uh, she was telling me about that about once every 50 or so investigations that her and Mark were doing that they would run into a really negative thing. And, uh, she said, you know, if you investigate long enough, it will happen. And uh, she had her own ideas about protection and things like that. But uh, uh, she always, she, she likened it to uh, them being like uh, great white sharks. You know, you could go swimming in the ocean every day and never have an encounter. And then there's just that one day you just have to <laughs> at the wrong time and bam, you run into this thing, you know. And uh, that's kind of the thing with uh, negative entities and uh in uh, spiritual forces and the, you know there's so much out there that we don't know um, all right that when you do run into it you know it's uh, uh it's a surprise to a lot of investigators a lot of them get turned off from it uh when they have negative experiences but uh, mm. there's so much good help out there when you do have those things happen um you could reach out to uh you know really knowledgeable people out there um it, yeah, it, you know, as a last ditch thing, just just go look up the ghost, you know, um, ghost hunters pe- folks with uh, the uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the organization now. Uh, uh, Tapped, the Atlantic Taps. Paranormal. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, a, an excellent group of people that help with uh, negative encounters and uh, dealing with uh, getting rid of things that are really bad, and they're very good at it, and they've got quite a network. So. 
I'd recommend that for anybody having any real spiritual troubles, you know, and, or bringing something home on an investigation when you really don't know what you're getting yourself into. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we try to be real careful about that because you never know. So, in all the years you're doing that, if you get through all right without that, that's fine. But <laughs> I, I you never know. I don't think that there's a single one of us doing this as long as we've been doing it. Um, if you have been investigating more than two or three years, really seriously working, you're going to have a, you know, a couple of stories and you're going to have things that have happened to you. And, uh, uh, and it, you know, it's, you don't have to dig too far to get those experiences. I, I've, I've seen stuff happen on investigations. We did one in, um, Stockton, California at a, uh, uh, it was a, uh, a Masonic uh, hall and really, really incredibly haunted. And at the very top of the uh, building, uh, I was up there and I suddenly got this negative vibe. I mean, I was feeling it really strong and I had the whole team up there with me and I pulled everybody together and I said, you know, and I was a team lead. So I, I, um, I said, we're going down. Something's up here. Something's not good. I got a bad vibe. And um, I should find the CVP and uh, send it to you later, but because uh, uh, I recorded this, I got the team uh, going down, and you had to kind of bunch up to go back through this little doorway. And it was, it you passed the top of where the elevator shaft was, and so there was all the elevator motors and the cabling equipment and all the gear mechanisms and all that right to my left. And I hear this guy yelling at us, and my. Uh, uh, one of my uh, co-investigators, uh, she goes, she starts laughing at me. She's going, I don't hear anything. You're just imagining stuff. And I go, no, there's a guy yelling and we got to get the hell out of here. And I'm dealing at the team, move it, move it. We got to get moving, get out of here. We got to go. And all of a sudden the, the guy who had us, who was hosting us, who was leading the way out through that area, he gets tackled by this thing and literally mm -hmm. to the ground. And, um, wow. and I, and everybody's start, you know, everybody starts getting upset. And I said, everybody stop and we'll, you know, let's figure out what's going on. And she, she looks over at me. Uh, I can't remember her name. She's moved to Montana now, but, uh, the investigator who was ye first yelling at me and saying, yeah, yeah, you're full of it with what you heard. And she goes, what did you hear? And I said, I heard this guy yelling at me and to the left side. And then suddenly he gets tackled over there. And we've got pictures of the handprints of him. There were dusty handprints on him of where he got grabbed by this guy. We've actually got the handprints on his knees Wow! where it tackled him by the legs and, um, it freaked him out. Uh, basically I called, uh, everybody to go and said, let's just get out of here and move on. I said, that's why I was trying to get everybody out of here. We had, I could feel something building. And we got out. And when I got home later, I was surprised that we had the full EVP. And when I played it for everybody, they were like, holy, you know what? Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that can happen on investigations. Yeah. Uh, there's good stuff that happens, too. But, you know, uh, yeah, and generally, the, the, generally what people come away with, you're dealing with human spirits. You're dealing with um, people who uh, have passed. Sometimes you'll get cantankerous spirits, uh, but more often than not, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been talking a lot lately about paranormal manners, you know, and just being mm -hmm. nice to spirits and asking their permission, you know, to go, uh, to be, uh, recording them and things like that. And I find that the more, um, the more 
manners you show to these people who generally they've passed anywhere from the, maybe the 18th century forward. And out here in California, we tend to get more of the 19th century ghosts and forward. Um, if you kind of play to their manners and the way the expectations they had, uh, things go really well for you. Um, I remember uh, I've been writing about this in my book on EVP. Uh, there was a case where the uh, I was at a cemetery in a place called Fairplay, California, and it's about maybe 15 miles to the east of me. And um, really old Pioneer Cemetery. And I, wa- I was walking by this these graves and this one gentleman, I always say the names of the people when I go by because people like to hear their names. And if you say someone's name in life to them, it's kind of like music to their ears. Well, the same is true of dead folks. And when you're there at their grave signs, if you say their names, uh, they often respond positively. Well, I said this guy's name and I said, very nice to meet you, my friend. And he comes back and really gruffly and goes, you're not my friend. And I'm kind of like, when I heard it later, I was like, wow. And then I got thinking about it and I went, you know what? I, he's right. I really wasn't his quote friend. His idea of friendship was, you know, that, uh, you had to earn the right to call somebody a friend back then. And uh, uh, a lot yeah. of them felt that way. So I, um, you know, I took that as that was one of my early lessons on, uh, paranormal manners, uh, if you will, uh, really starting to think in terms of dealing with these people, uh, because that's what they are. They're people without mm-hmm. a body and, uh, treating them the same, um, you know, with the same respect that they would have demanded in life, you know? So that's, that's kind of, it's a better result too. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, or, or they'll just call you names, bad names. They well, do that too. Uh, <laughs> What's the number one EVP you always got when you went out investigating, Scott? What's the number one that you can just think of off the top of your head that you would get when you'd go to a site? Well, it'd be like uh, audio slash EVP, I guess, because I actually heard it and I picked up all the audio. Well, um, the number one we get out here is get out. <laughs> oh, you mean, oh no! I mean, we get yeah, we get um, we call yeah. bitch, we call bitch before. Um, I think one calls asshole. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you, yeah, they 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 tend to swear or they'll just yeah, they'll get swear. out. We we had got to get out before too, but yeah, yeah it's just, well, it's it really comes down to um, they consider they're very territorial in a lot of displays that we've seen and. They are, uh, they're trying really hard to, uh, make sure that you understand that they consider that space, their space. And if you come walking in with your recorder and you're not, uh, you don't stop to ask permission, you know, it, uh, it kind of goes badly. I, I was investigating, um, back in 2009 with a friend of mine named Christine uh, Morris and she, she, uh, she was living in Ohio. She just died here in, in March. Oh, yeah. She was, uh, she ran a, uh, a, uh, paranormal team out here called ED paranormal. And she was really well known in throughout, you know, California and then into Ohio. She did quite a bit out there when she moved out there in 2013. Um, but her and I investigated a place that was, uh, uh, uh called Bailey house. And it's, a it's a hotel that was originally built on 
uh, Highway 49 between uh, Coloma and up towards the town of Auburn. And the idea that this guy had was that uh, A.J. Bailey, he was building it to uh, uh, take advantage of the railroad traffic traffic that was so he expected to be going through there. Well, uh, unbeknownst to him, they rerouted the railroad around around him and you know, there was no uh, traffic. But it was still like the finest hotel west of the Mississippi for many years. And a lot of people really would, you know, went out of their way to be there. So it was a really successful venture. But um, it's fallen into ruin and it's being rebuilt now uh, slowly. They're paying for it as they go. And it's just going to take a long time to uh, bring it back. But uh, uh, I went there with Christine back in 2009 and we were wandering around and we were, we were not going to violate the borders of it. So we just stayed outside and, saw, and we're figuring, well, we'll just stay outside the fence and record EVP. And uh, this um, uh, caretaker sees us. And so he walks over and says, what are you doing? And we said, well, we're just paranormal investigators. And, you know, we, we saw the trespassing <laughs> signs and we're just doing it outside here just so we could see if we catch anything. And he said, you two look like nice people. And he said, the spirits here are going to love you. So come on in. Well, I'll give you the tour and you can record. So we're recording the whole time. And uh, when I get the evidence back, uh, you know, uh, I, I analyzed it a couple of days later. Uh as we were walking through the door into the house, uh, the spirit of AJ Bailey, I think is himself says, welcome to Bailey house. And he's so proud, you know, and it was just this, this magnificent greeting that we get. And I was just blown away by this. And it was like, Oh, so you get the permissions. And if it's people they trust that are living, who they see around a lot, they're going to be, uh, a lot more, uh, you know, open to you being there. And we only got a couple of, of negative EVPs the whole time we were there. Uh, the, the rest of them were super good. And we had uh, you know, wonderful evidence from that. Um, so, so, yeah, it, there was a lot of lessons that went into you know, my thinking about you know, getting permissions to investigate. I thought there was. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's changed over time. It's still gone? No, they turned off the tornado watches until 9 o'clock. Oh. Okay. That was weird. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, the uh, tornado signs are going here. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah tornado, tornado washed from the line, I think. Okay. Uh, well, if I see you run, I'll be going, well, we're cutting this <laughs> short. Literally. Yeah, because I, I thought I was here through the headphones. I thought, well, and then it was gone for a while. I guess yeah. it just stopped, right? Yeah, it just stopped. Just stopped, so. Oh, good. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Woo, that's what I heard. <laughs> that's probably we, here. We have tornadoes out here, believe it or not. Uh, or like, yeah, we've had uh we've had an F one here that went right over the property and ripped the rain gutters right off the back of the house. And then um don't, uh, don't they don't they call them dust storms out there? <laughs> no, when you see uh I was inside the uh the guest house when I saw it touch down in the garden and it ripped up a whole bunch of the garden. Then the funnel went row over the top of me and it sounded just like the freight train noise that they all talk about. And it went right straight to, to this house that I'm in now and uh, pulled the, uh, it took two garbage cans. We never saw them again, full of garbage, by the way. And uh, the, uh, we had the rain gutters literally hanging in midair off the back of the house and we're missing a few shingles, but um, all the next day, all we heard were chainsaws going up and down. the <laughs> Yeah. 
but uh, we've had uh, multiple tornadoes here since I was, uh, you know, uh, I've been living out here. But at Aerojet, um, I would go outside uh, sometimes when there were storms and we would see skyhooks hanging right over our main headquarters. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, there was a woman that was out on uh, the liquid fueled line um, on line one who was sitting in the toilet. Uh, you know, they, they had all the different trailers out there uh, and she went out to the exterior toilet building. That was the bathroom and she's sitting there doing her business and the whole roof lifted off from a tornado. <laughs> she's wow. like looking up going, Oh my God. So yeah, they, they do happen out here. Uh, believe it or not, they do all the way from uh, here up to the town of Chico. They've been reported. So yeah, I know what you're yeah. going through. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Have one, at least one or two of them, you know, you're out here for never get near us though. So we grow really high winds and trees bending and stuff, but I yeah. haven't had any like, tough down around us yet, but it's gotten pretty bad windy on the same. So well, I'm glad you didn't have any hit there while we were on air. That would have that would have cramped cramped the style. But yeah, it would have how dare it. <laughs> well, um, but yeah, you know this the whole thing with manners. Um, I figured out the just over time that it was better to uh, uh, not only ask for the permissions from uh, people, but to really to come in with your best foot forward and you know talk to the uh, spirits there and say we'd like to record. Um, and I basically have come up with a method of if if either you say yes or I don't hear anything from you, I'm going to assume that it's okay to record. And it's only when we've gotten, uh, you know, if we hear a no, you know, you don't record, then we'll basically say, okay, we'll fold up our tents and go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that um, uh, I'm dead set against is this whole bit of uh, coming in and being abusive. To oh, them. we never hear that. Yeah, we never provoke ever. Yeah, provocation so. is just really a bad idea with spirits. So I did it once to see what would happen. And it was with a very cantankerous old ghost in Coloma, uh, who is basically the, uh, he's an old miner that stays at the miner's cabin there at the, uh, state park there for, uh, in Coloma. And, uh, it's the whole gold mining, you know, gold rush area. All those settlements have been basically turned into a state park. And, uh, this guy got really pissed off at me. And, uh, when I got the EVP later that night, I was listening and he, uh, basically says, I'll find you. <laughs> and, uh, I went back with my hat Uh-oh. and I apologized to him and he actually took my apology. And, uh, I was, uh, I told him, I made a solemn promise to him, which I will never break is that I will never, ever prov- uh, provoke him. Uh, it was just to see what would happen. And, uh, yeah, it's in, it's one of those EVPs that you get and you listen to that. I'll find you, and it's kind of like no, the, it runs right out of you. Yeah, the first oh. thing first thing about it is deliverance. Yeah, <laughs> I'll find you. you're gonna squeal. <laughs> and it's like, oh, sh- you know, you know what? So, yeah, I, I went back and I was genuine. I mean, uh, I, I laid it out to it, but I said I will never abuse the dead again. You have my solemn word, sir, and. I use sir a lot, uh, but the minute I got out of the park, when I got there, my K2 was pegged. I mean, that dude was pissed Mm -hmm. off. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but it's lessons like that. You know, you, when you, um, look at the, the whole of it with EVP, um, you just find out that just the big thing is just be nice to them and, uh, try to do your best to, to learn from, uh, their time. Know the, know the area, know, know the things that they're, um, 
that really matter to them and, uh, and try to appreciate their point of view. And if you do that, I think you're going to have really good luck getting EVP and good evidence when you go out in the field. So yeah, I, that's, that to me is what it's all about. And, um, and you just have a lot more pleasant time with them too, because they're not going to follow yeah. you home for the most part, really pissed off at you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I don't know if I have one or not full at home, but it's the last place I was at, that stuff happening, but it wasn't, I, I'm pretty sure it was female because I picked her up on voice shorter from home, but I don't think she's here though. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's, um, uh, if you investigate enough, you'll have something happen, you know, that will follow right. you. It's, it's, a, it's just a matter of time. It's just how you handle it. Um, and, uh, you know, having the tools and, you know, not necessary knowledge. And when, you know, I think the big thing too, is to know when you're over your head, that's what we did. We, we, I went and got some help because it's like the whole team was like getting messed with, you know, by this thing that right. followed home. And I, I finally said, that's it. I'm going <clears> to <throat> put my hand up and I got some really great advice and we took care of business, you know, and got it dealt with. And, uh, but, right. uh, I did get one experience in the middle of all that. Uh, it messed with my mother, but, uh, I came home from work one night and, uh, it was summer when this happened and I just actually, no, 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 it was fall. Yeah. It was the fall of 20, 2010 or 2011 when we had that happen. And I was just, um, I was just walking down to my place, that same trail that I was telling you about with that other spirit that would walk with me. And, uh, I got to the, I got to the bend in the trail where it, it turns to the North to my place. And, I stopped. I suddenly felt this presence and all of a sudden I hear <laughs> right in my right ear. And, uh, if you, if you react with fear, that's like food to them. They want you scared. And I stopped and I act like, acted like I didn't hear it. And I walked into the house, unlocked it. The door got in, closed the door and went, holy sh-. And, uh, uh, immediately started getting out the, uh, you know, anything, you know, sage, whatever I had on hand and making sure that I dealt with it. But, um, yeah, that's the only time I've ever had, uh, something that close. It was literally right in my ear growling at me. And, uh, you know, that's an experience you don't want to have. Um, it, it, it did, you know, make my blood run cold, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, just, mm, you know, but, uh, uh, I've had other stuff happen. Uh, when I first started really getting into all this work, uh, I got grabbed by the feet once and hauled out of bed by a spirit. That was a experience. That um, was nice. <laughs> yeah. It, it literally, um, they were, uh, I was just really waking up spiritually and I was studying a whole lot of stuff with mediumship and it was just like, uh, I talked to somebody who really knew, knew what they were, uh, what it was really was going on with me with this. And they said, well, you've opened up and you're basically like a bright light to them. And if they want help and you're not giving it, they're going to do whatever they can. Well, this spirit pulls me out of bed literally by the feet and I'm literally thrown onto the ground and I'm, my feet are in the air and I finally struggle free. And I went, you dirty son of a I started calling him every day of the book. I said, you get out of my house and every other spirit that's here, you get out. And I, I, uh, pulled out all this materials again, and the uh, sage and whatever and sage the house and said, that's it. And, um, uh, 
and, and then I made some phone calls and said, what's going on? I mean, this thing happened to me and, uh, yeah, you know, it does happen. Um, so if you're getting into spiritual work and, uh, you're opening up a little too fast, uh, yeah, you're going to attract some stuff. So not, it's, you know, I'm saying all these things in a very short time, compressed space with an interview, but, uh, you know, the amount of time between these little negative events is, you know, there was a lot of time between each of these things. And, uh, more often than not, there were the wonderful things that happened and all the stuff that, uh, uh, you know, literally, I mean, I have 4,000 EVPs in my library now that I've been counting and, uh, you know, I just have, uh, a ton of evidence and I've been going through and pulling it all back together and, uh, beginning to kind of re-examine some of my old cases and stuff. And, um, so yeah, you know, the exceptional negative stuff, yeah, it stands out and it's the Hollywood kind of thing, you know, but, uh, really, uh, the bulk of the work is positive. The bulk of the work is, uh, uh, evidence of afterlife that there is such a thing and the bulk of it is that there's um there's a presence out there that wants to talk with us you know these these spirits they want to say stuff and usually they just want people to know they're around or they want to be heard and uh, that's the beautiful thing about it so that's why i do it you know I, yeah. yeah and uh we asked you uh, if you see of uh we did a residential case down in Maryland, I think it was. Right. Um, they had stuff on there, and they were hearing, uh, I guess, voices of kids or whatever. I think explanation went down there. And so they wanted us to um, sage it, go around the old sage. So as we were doing that, we picked up a EP of a little girl's voice saying, I think I'm crossing over, Mother. Whoa. Yeah, we picked it up on EGP. Yeah, it's funny. Um, the amount of them that, uh, especially with children, I, I've only gotten a few children EVPs. I usually uh, get uh, males and you know, you know, men talking, occasionally women. Uh, but it's something that Sarah Estep, um, she was the uh, founder of the American Association of Electronic Voice Phenomena. And, um, uh, she talked about the overwhelmingly number of male voices on EVP, but getting to children is such a, it's such a rare mm. thing. You know, the, the voice of that boy that I got, you know, in, uh, Coloma at the pioneer cemetery that you mentioned at the start of the show, um, that's, that, that's the EVP that got me on, uh, on, uh, sci-fi on, uh, sci-fi channel on, uh, haunted highway. And, uh, and it, believe me, uh, they, they came calling to me. I mean, I was, they, somehow they heard about that EVP and called me up and wanted me to talk. And, uh, after about three months going back and forth, I was sitting at a, sitting at a, in a, uh, coffee shop in downtown Placerville with the stars of the show going through the whole thing and doing an afternoon of filming, which was a really unique, unique experience. But, but that little boy, um, EVP, there was so much, um, that went with that because, uh, everybody thought that was the only EVP we caught that day. But on that same recording, uh, there was the voice of the mother, which a lot of people, you know, so I, I've got this like really super interesting EVP where a little boy speaks about his grave, but, um, later on in the recording, there's the voice of the mother talking and she's basically talking to the boy. And, uh, and not only that, just prior to that EVP of the boy, talking about where his grave, his headstone is, 
And he's basically responding to us talking, we living people talking about where he was buried. Uh, there's a, another EVP embedded in there, which no one picked up, but me, I've actually, uh, I'm actually telling you guys stuff that no one else has heard ever before. Um, there's an EVP on that recording just before he speaks. It says, help me, you know? And, and so it's just chalk a block full of EVP in this one time, uh, t- compressed time of this recording that got me on television. And even, uh, even the show producers, when they had had their experts go through it, nobody picked up on that. And yet I've got all this stuff in there. So yeah, it's, uh, it was an amazing bit of evidence and, um, it's one of my top recordings, you know? So I, just, I wouldn't say it's the best ABP I've ever gotten, but it's the one that got the most not- notoriety. Yeah. 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 The William Palmer one, I think is one of my best. Yeah. 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 You heard that today and you were kind of, oh, like, Whoa. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, we, I'm going yeah, to play it here. Yeah, go ahead and play it. Okay. I tested it today. It worked out pretty good. So, okay. I'll go ahead and share it. Here we go. Now, I'll play it. Do you have something to say? William. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is so cool there. Yeah. And, um, and, and as there, the, um, about who he was and everything there too. You have up on your site, so um, yeah. Well, do it. Um, this is on your Ghostwriter site, right? Yeah, that's on the Ghostwriter site, um, and I'm going to be publishing more. I've got, uh, I've been going through, and I've got a lot of Class A stuff that's never been published. But uh, that one, um, that was recorded in October of 2008, and I was just fresh into really getting serious about the work. I had. I had been going to night school um, uh, for my bachelor's degree in IT, and uh, and I had graduated in uh, early 2008, and things had started to kind of uh, open up for me to kind of focus more attention on the paranormal. So um, roughly in the uh, 2007 timeframe, I started my work with EVP, and I'd actually been dabbling a little bit as early as 2005, but but I started really seriously 2007, 2008 timeframe. And that, uh, I was kind of having mixed results, uh, but when this guy opened up and talked to me, it was like the floodgates opened up. And so this EBP is the one responsible for yeah. me really being, you know, doing what I'm doing now is, and I, I, I've had other EVP from William. He's a pretty good communicator. And, uh, the little cemetery he's in is just about a mile, uh, to the Northeast of me or Southeast, excuse me. And, um, wow. and he's in a tiny little pioneer cemetery, you know, downtown shingle Springs. And it's, uh, uh, only the locals really know where that cemetery is. So he rarely gets any visitors. And, uh, what I've been doing is every, uh, holiday season, I take them a snifter of, uh, crown Royal and I put oh, it on. Yeah. <laughs> I let them have a, I give them that, and then I put some little Christmas decorations and Thanksgiving decorations up for them. I got an EVP once of uh, 
one of the uh, spirits there as I was leaving the, uh, the the cemetery after I was doing something nice for them. And this guy says, that man is a saint. That man is a saint. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to say it one more time for who I like. Sure. You have something to say. William. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he... He, you can hear his uh, southern accent in there. He was uh, oh, in Carolina, and he uh, came out to the uh, western United States to uh, to uh, to California to mine gold. And he found out that uh, he was better as a cattleman uh, than a gold miner, and so he ended up uh, uh, operating some uh, very very large cattle uh, ranching operations out here, and uh, did a wonderful had a wonderful career uh, doing that and was very well respected in the community. So um, I've always felt that he was a friend and uh, I like it when I record with him. I haven't been out there for a while. I, I do need to go say hi to all of them, but uh, uh, it's a, it's, you can actually form these relationships with these spirits and uh, get to know them and they get to know you. Um, there's one that I, I was writing about in the book that uh, in the Coloma cemetery where I recorded the little boy, um, I was up there recording one day and the spirit says, you know, get a life. And I was ticked off at him. I, I went, cause I was going back that way again the next day. So I stopped by and I, I walked right up to his grave and I go, I've got something for you, pal, get a death. And <laughs> I get the CVP of this guy cracking up at my, my coming right back at him. And we've been friendly ever since. Whenever I go there, I go, get a life, get a death. <laughs> oh boy. So you, they have a sense of humor, and uh, if you play to yeah. them, they're gonna. And if you keep um, the thing, you've, I think with um, we develop uh, relationships with cemetery ghosts and cemetery spirits is to um, just have a sense of humor about it too, and, do, and be unexpected. Um, do things that, that they wouldn't normally expect you to do, and just kind of keep it. They'll keep them guessing what you're going to do, and they're going to they're going to do everything they can to communicate with you. So, yeah little piece of advice you know there's a lot of techniques to evp that you've learned in, along the way um, you can you can engage in direct conversations with them um other times you could just talk about the history of the place treat them like a third wheel and uh they will <laughs> and they will fall all over themselves to try to talk to you about oh, that's not right you know this is you know so so <laughs> this, you know and hey you know hey we're over here you know you can talk to us anytime you know so they're jumping up and down to be communicated with and uh um, you can, you can do all kinds of different techniques to, uh, and, and play little psychology games on them to get them to speak. So, um, it's not to be cruel. It's just, um, uh, it's just like going out in public, you know, you can talk about stuff and, pe- and, and other people listening in will chime in and that's yeah. kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Other times, uh, you go in and, and, uh, you treat them like it's a radio interview and you, uh, you come in armed with knowledge about their lives and, and say stuff about their lives and they love being talked about and they love to be heard. And again, uh, if you're at their, if it's a person you've never met or a, a, with a stone, uh, gravestone with their name on it, say, say their name. They absolutely love hearing their name and, uh, they will, they will literally jump for joy. Somebody, <laughs> somebody said my name. 
I still exist in the world. Yeah. So yeah, that's the beauty of it. The beauty of it. some people sit there and say, you know, Oh, there's no spirits in a cemetery. There's no energy there. It's like, well, there is energy there because when you come in, um, yeah, their spirits may have left, you know, may have crossed over, but when you go there and you're dealing with their body, their, you know, their past incarnation and you're speaking about them, that forms a psychic connection to them. You're actually uh, doing a form of mediumship. And this is not just to, you know, I'm not saying this as a medium myself, you know, everybody's got these, these gifts. It's just how, how far you take it. And if you have uh, some natural tendencies, great, but everybody can learn this stuff. But when you're at a cemetery and uh, you're having heartfelt moments with spirits, uh, you're forming a psychic bond with them. And they're, they're actually appearing there to, to speak with you. And this is some of the stuff that I think some uh, paranormal researchers kind of get it wrong. They'll say, there's no ghost in a cemetery. I never get anything there. It's an empty dead place. It's like, well, no, you, you don't know how to talk to them. <laughs> it's, you know, you're kind of showing you don't know that because, you know, I got on sci-fi because of this ghost here that I was speaking with. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. If you want to play the little boy one, go ahead and play that. You know, that, that'll, uh, that'll, that'll wow them. <laughs> Um, he's pulling it up. All right. What's the, what's the, what's the one say? It's the one with, uh, the little boy, um, at Coloma. Let me see if I can find the, uh, I'm trying to find it here on my, uh, I got a list of them here. It's the this one. It's the one with, um, I don't know if I, did I pass that one to you? I don't remember that one. Well, it's, uh, if you go to the soul stream radio site, I'll just pass you this. Uh, okay. So I'm, I'm going to slide it now. If you go to, uh, I thought I passed that one to you. I'm my, my apologies. Um, I am looking for it. It's not, it's not the reversed one, is it? Or I'm John's looking, best, uh, John's best Capricorn guilty. Myers uh, club. Uh, no, that's, that's the, um, let me see if I can find it. On that. I had one from that. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking on that article you had, uh, there's Clarksville. There's a ton of them in here. Uh, Wolf Manor. Yeah, we got the one with William there. We've already played. Uh, let me go back to Soul Stream, and I'm going to search for um, the little boy one. It's going to be the page that... Um, Pass this. I don't know if you have Facebook open, but let me just pass this to you. Yeah, uh, I'm actually open. I'm with, I'm on your social site right now. Okay, I just passed you on Facebook the link to that page, and if you scroll down, you'll have see the. Uh, I totally forgot to put that one in there. My bad. Okay. All right. I'll get that's. Yeah, the haunted highway one is uh, that one was something um 
if you scroll down, you'll see the EVP that started it all. And you'll see that. Okay. Oh, I got it. Okay. Yeah. That little one, boy. Little boy. Okay. Yeah. It. That one was uh, me and uh, a gal by the name of Michelle Bronner. And uh, there was a couple of other people with us. It was December 27th of uh, 2008. We were just out at the cemetery and uh, we spent the afternoon out there and we were talking about that little boy and uh, Christine was there, Christine Morris. And uh, she, she knew the story. And so we were talking about it and we were going back and forth and this, this kid just chimes in out of the blue <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was, it was, it was something. Okay. I'll bug my fight. I've seen plenty of those where you know it grew into the coffin and probably absorbed the person. Their yeah. essence is all in the tree oh, and all yeah. that. Oh my God. Well, wow. Yeah. Now, now it's a monogamy little one. The voice after that was that also part of it? Yeah. The, that there were actually multiple. You were hearing the little in the other noises there. There were a lot of other spirits that were chiming in and and trying to speak. And there's actually right. the the one that says "Help me" in there is kind of buried in there. But the right. little boy at the end, he starts, he just came out of the blue with this incredible EVP. Yes, yeah, uh, seriously. Mom a little one, and his voice after that, was there one talking? Is that the group with you or no? The little boy is the spirit talking, and he's right. the he's right. the one. He, it's him talking. What ended up happening was there's this giant pine tree where his that grew where his grave was, and his grave was literally invaded by the tree. And he's become part of the tree, basically. Wow. And his mother uh, buried him there. And so his stone is, um, I, I think it still actually exists, but there's only pieces of it there. And um, uh, it, I think it was Louise Calmers was her name. Uh, and her husband, I believe, was called Robert. And they lived literally across the street from the cemetery there. And it's now a private home, but it, uh, I've been in it before. It's, it used to be a restaurant at one point incredibly haunted and uh robert i believe went insane at one point and louise had to lock him up in a room down below and uh feed him because he was so dangerously out of control they they had no way of dealing with people with mental illness in the day uh, and she didn't yeah. an asylum but uh they they had him locked up and the guy died down there uh, of complications from his disease and so there's all these hauntings that go on in that immediate vicinity and there's this woman in in red that's uh, talked about at the uh, cemetery there who uh, uh, will wave and beckon at people driving by on Highway 49, passing through there, and um, it's this uh, it's this amazing thing that happens, and we think that that's the mother, you know, Louise, uh, that was uh, you know that's making these appearances, but she speaks later on. Um, 
in not nearly as good an EVP, but you actually hear her speaking to the boy. And uh, I need to pull those EVPs out and kind of get them online. But oh, um, with this one, it's just pay a fire in their voice after that boy. Yeah, it's. I, I'm going to stop it again while it's got. Um, pardon me? I'll play it again while it's got. I think after. Oh, after that's a monkey middle little one. I thought after that, well, it sounded like somebody talking back to him. So I don't. I'll play yeah, this. There was, there was other voice. Boy, I've seen plenty of those where you. No, it grew into the coffin and probably absorbed the person. Or yeah. the essence is all in the oh, tree and all yeah. that. Oh my God! Well, in the middle, it's where the last thing is. So it sounds to me, Mom gave me a, a little one. Yeah, it was, the, it, was the, it was the last piece or something like that. Yeah, Mama gave me a little one, a stone. It's under that tree over there. And that's basically what he's saying. And he's uh, just this sweet little kid that just had this... Uh, <laughs> loved his mother enough to stick around and talk about mm -hmm. this thing. And, um, it, you know, we, we had no idea we were going to catch this kind of an EVP. It, 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 I, I heard a lot. I heard a lot of little talking through you though. Yeah. Th that's what I was talking about. There's so much activity there, uh, in that particular recording. And the other thing that I've noted, um, and I'm talking about this stuff in the book I'm writing is, is the different types of EVP where, um, sometimes you will get these conditions that arise when you're recording that it's almost like, a, uh, you know, on AM radio, when you're listening and a station will fade in and it'll be real clear for a while and then it'll fade out. It, that's kind of what happened here. I feel like it, the conditions changed enough that it was able to, uh, uh, the, the, that we were able to pick up all this stuff that was going on. And you heard before the kid even spoke, you were hearing little things that were happening, a little you know, noises. Well, and I, heard, I heard they helped me. I heard that. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff when you get those precursor noises or you get precursor voices, they're often kind of heralding the announcement of a really good EVP. Mm. And it's, uh, it's, it's something to watch for. Um, another thing that happens with great EVP is you'll have, uh, an EVP that you'll hear a, you know, or a plunking kind of noise. It's, it's kind of the noise like when you're on ham radio and I'm a ham radio operator. So when you key up your mic, you'll get a, a burst in the carrier and, and it'll, uh, it'll make a characteristic noise. And when it does that, it's kind of a, it's almost punching out into the atmosphere. You know, when you throw the signal out there, the transmitter is getting a bit of burst, you know, as it establishes the carrier and you're ready to you know, send out a message. And I think that's what's happening with, um, with EVP. I think that they have their own equivalent of radio that, you know, that's what this is to them. And, uh, that these things happen when you are, have a really good EVP about to hit for, you know, everything seems to line up and wham, you know, this punch happens and then you suddenly have this great, you know, great communication that comes in from the other side. And, um, you know, I've always believed that, uh, a lot of the stuff that's being said too by uh, different really good EVP researchers is that, 
um, they're working as hard on that side to communicate with us as we are to record them. And uh, there's different forms of it, you know, of EVP work. There's ITC, which EVP is a part of, mm-hmm. you know, instrumental transcommunication. Basically, the two-way equivalent of EVP. It's EVP is one way. It's just them talking to us, and we record it, and then we go home and listen. Um, there are people uh, that are doing ITC work, which are uh, a lot of them are using radio, just straight, straight, straight up regular radios. And they listen at various frequencies and they've got the equipment set such that they're not picking up any radio stations. They, they even modify radios so that they don't pick up radio stations. They only pick up spirit voices. And um, so you get you, you some really interesting ITC recordings that uh, people produce of two-way communications. And uh, there's uh, uh, Annabelle uh, Carduso, I think, out of uh, Portugal. I've been talking with her off and on and uh, she's like the queen of ITC. She's really good at what she does and has some amazing recordings. And then you have uh, a lot of stuff being done. There's a uh, Brazilian researchers that are very good with EVP uh, and ITC work that they're doing. And they're doing these really long, extensive two-way communications. It's another guy named uh, Mario. I'm going to get the name mangled here. Uh, Brucho or Barcio out of uh italy and he did like 30 years i think he i think he passed away recently but he was for 30 some odd years he was recording uh and having people gather at his uh this place that he did um uh would do these public sessions and people would come and ask questions of their loved ones on the other side and they would do these wonderful uh back and forth sessions so he had i don't know how often he did it like if he did it nightly or did it every week but uh, if you look up on um, YouTube, you will find, uh, you know, just look for Italian EVP or Italy uh, ITC, and you'll see this guy. Uh, there were some good documentaries on him. And uh, uh, it's amazing what they, they were able to accomplish. And, you know, the scientific community is always, always sitting there going, oh, it's all pseudoscience. And, you know, there's no such thing. Well, you know, that, you, know you can say bad things about this stuff, but after a certain point, there's so much evidence of it that it's kind of overwhelming and, uh, you know, putting your head in the sand, isn't really going to help you. <laughs> you know, right. So it's yeah. like over all the years that you have all your files and stuff, there's no, you get so much, you know, nowhere to put. I mean, what I have like thousands of EPs over yeah. the years. And it's like, there's times you go through and take forever to get through, but, Usually, I I go through the whole way. Some people will just look at there'll be a little jump up the line, you know, when you're going over. I listen to everything. Yeah, I, I, I find stuff that's not like that. Yeah, it's um, uh, when I go recording, uh, I generally will take uh, take to have at least two recorders running, uh, and it's you know that really will help separate kind of the wheat from the chaff because um uh what i found is i have uh uh right here i'll just put it up this is a uh mm-hmm. dcr sr82 night vision I, recorder you can't get these I, anymore I, yeah. and these are some of the best little evp uh mm-hmm. video recorders you can ever name i mean they do great for uh infrared work and night investigations and stuff like that but 
you want to talk about getting EVPs on video? Uh, if you combine one of these with a typical, um, you know, uh, standard uh, consumer grade, uh, you know, mid-level order, like a, uh, I use Sony ICD recorders because they're just, they're just really great. Yeah. I, I, I got Sony also. I just, I just bought a new one this year. Yeah. I had to get on. So it's, it's a full spectrum camera. So Yeah. Here's like your standard EVP. Oh, got, they got those. <laughs> so, yeah. so if you if you put um, two of these together in your work, and uh, I've got a little mount that I can uh, mount, uh, put this on with rubber bands. I mount it to my camera mount, you know, and a little hand, uh, <clears throat> just with, you know, with the tripod mount on the bottom. And I can carry the whole thing. And now I've got two recorders running at the same time. And when I record it, uh, you end up uh, being able to isolate out the actual human voices that you get that can be confused for EVP. And uh, something that Sarah Estep uh, from AA EVP uh, noted, along with plenty of other researchers, was, was that um, uh, it's almost unheard of to get EVP on two devices, even in close proximity to each other at the same time. And uh, there's been cases of the same EVP showing up on two recorders, but at different points in their recording cycle. So they, you know, you, the same EVP could show up on one recorder and then 20 minutes later it shows up on another. And it kind of speaks to the way their the time works in their side of things. They don't have time like we do. It's a whole different thing. but if you end up with two voices at the same time on a recorder uh, and you've, you've got, you know, and you line them up in a uh, audio editor and you've got the, those two, the, the same voice that's unexplained on both tracks, then what you've got is probably human. And it's a great way of, uh, you know, screening out the, uh, you know, the stuff that you don't want to label as EVP. And so that's the good point in having uh, is having, the two recorders running at, at the same time. And the other thing I like to do is there's, there's different kinds of recording. There's burst recording where you come in and you do a quick session and you're just basically dipping your toe in water and saying, okay, is there anybody here? You know, kind of a deal. And then there's the uh, continuous recording, which I always do. You know, I I'll put, um, I'll put recorders on and I just keep rolling the whole time. Yeah. I'm there. It just, if you don't, there's an old saying with uh, people that go flying, um, and I did I did some aerobatic flying, you know, back in 2010 with a friend of mine who had a uh, World War II uh, air, airplane, and we would go fly uh, combat missions. And he always said this, you know, uh, if you don't burn a lot of gas, you know, you'll never be a great pilot. And it's the same thing with EVP. If you don't burn a lot of tape, if you don't burn a lot of uh, recording time, you're not going to get the EVPs. You got to put the time in and you got to just keep rolling. And that means the negative side of it, you got a lot of evidence to analyze and boy, I've put the time in, you know, so we earn our keep in this business. Uh, even though we're ridiculed, uh, we're treated like we're fools by the scientific community. Um, uh, we're going out with consumer level recorders that cost all of, you know, under $60, yeah, guess I'm forty cancer. And basically, uh, the thing that gets me with science is they say these things like, if you go out on Wikipedia, they completely diss us and treat us like we're, oh, it's just pseudoscience. It's radio interference. You know, here I am. I'm a ham radio operator. 
I've been doing ham radio for a long time. It's like, I know what radio interference is. I, right. I know what I'm hearing here and it is not radio interference, especially when they're, they, they're responding back to you in ways that are, um, uh, in perfect synchrony with things that you're talking about. They're speaking back at you. The boy with the, the, the grave is a perfect example. You know, we are, we were speaking to him about his grave and he chimes in to tell us about it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the kind of stuff that, uh, the scientific community just buries its head in the ground about. And, um, uh, you know, the fact we we're taking off the shelf equipment and getting the results we're getting you with your, your camera, you were talking about with me there. Um, uh, you know, these things, uh, if, 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 the, if they spend as much effort, uh, trying to help us prove that there's something there you know, taking into account that we're getting great evidence. Um, it would be, uh, pretty much a, a fact of life that there is an afterlife, you know, all they have to do is get serious about it, but, uh, somebody doesn't want that known. And I've never figured out that whole reason why it just doesn't make sense. So, yeah. Well, we got, uh, that same situation that you said about ballistic, uh, video camera and the audio recorder at a church in Flowertown, PA. It was called uh -huh. a, a church choir was picked up on the video camera and the audio recorder. Uh, did it pick up at the same exact time? Yeah. Yeah. That the guy who was, guy who was standing there, um, had, was, who was there by the camera set it up. It was on his recorder too. Now there are, um, there's another kind of recording that, um, a lot of people don't talk about. And, and in my book, I, I'm, I've had to kind of coin some of my own terms and I'm probably going to get some criticism over it, but you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I've always said, uh, I call it AVP and AVP are analog or audio voice phenomena. It's kind of a, it's kind of a term you can use to, for the same thing. Uh, I like audio voice phenomena a little better because basically it's paranormal stuff that you can hear. And there are times where spirits can cause uh, phenomena that we all can hear, no matter if you're clairaudient or not. It's just any human being in the vicinity could hear it. And um, this is the stuff that really gets interesting. So I, I'd love to hear those recordings. Cause it, it would be interesting to see if they are exactly lined up from, you know, if you could put them on uh, a multi-track right. audio player and line them up. And if you, you know, make sure that they are literally on the same, same time base mm -hmm. to see, are they matching, you know, note for note at the same time, then you probably have AVP. You probably have audio, you know, yeah, audio. I'm pretty sure it does. Ask the ads from Bill. Who has it? So. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, there's so many different ways they can get our attention. Um, you know, uh, some of the history of EVP, uh, starting with, uh, Thomas Edison, uh, Thomas Edison, you know, invented the, uh, the wax, uh, the wax recorder. It was a cylinder. Wax cylinder. Wax cylinder. Yeah. Yeah. And he did that in the 1870s, right about the time his mother died and his mother to him was absolutely this reverend you know, revered figure because she, she had basically encouraged him to go on, even though he had been treated pretty badly by the schools, he just didn't fit. 
And uh, just like so many other people like Einstein and, and, and many, many others uh, throughout history who have done amazing things, they're the people who don't fit because they're so far ahead of the curve. Why would they bother with school when they're already light years ahead? Well, um, he, from the very beginning, began to uh, really think hard about trying to capture the spirit, uh, voices of spirits with his equipment. And uh, sure enough, there was something happening because um, he gave an interview, I think, in uh, a magazine called Collier's Weekly in the 1920s. And I don't remember the exact uh, uh, interview you know, date and all that, but you could look it up. Um, and he talked about spirit voices and the ability to uh, uh, record them and that they were really working hard to do that. And uh, he was actually working on something called the uh, Thomas Edison communicator or the tech. And <laughs> there's, there's been a lot of uh, confused history with all of this. Uh, the, some people say that there was never any trace of any of the designs, but there was uh, actually some individual that showed up talking about how he was working with the tech and the spirit of Edison, who uh, died, I think, in the 1930s, uh, that he was working with Thomas Edison's spirit and um, was actually working on the tech design. And then this guy dies in 1959, and all mention of the tech disappears. Uh, but it, there's, it's undoubted that, that Thomas Edison was working with uh, a number of people on spirit communication, probably from the late 19th century into the early 20th. And um, what was really neat was that they were working, his, his, uh, one of his assistants uh, was, uh, had a family, I think the family name was Esposito. And um, they were recording spirit voices on wax audio cylinders uh, in that rough time frame of the early 20th century and it ends up that there's a uh, descendant called his name is michael esposito and i've been talking back and forth with him a really interesting character and uh, he's like one of the big big voices in evp work today and he does a lot of work too with uh, people doing music and incorporating evp into music and uh, a really interesting chap and he actually was selling copies of those original spirit recordings that they were doing back in the day, you know, in the early 20th century. Well, it's almost certain that there was some back and forth communication going on with Edison with this family through his uh, assistant uh, who was related to them. And uh, so, you know, you read this stuff and you can see that, you know, um, there was this analog form of recording with no electronics that obviously they were hearing something. And uh, I've never heard the recordings. Uh, Esposito was going to send me a copy, and I've, I've got to go hound him again to send me the uh, MP3s. But um, th this stuff was happening, you know, in in the late 19th century. And I have a feeling that there was some awareness, probably even into the mid mid 19th century, that some of this stuff might be possible. Uh, some of the literature talks about the ability to get spirit voices and, and some of the things that were going on X files, I think did an episode where they did a, they were talking about the voice of Jesus was accidentally engraved onto this potter's wheel. Oh, <laughs> and, you know, yeah, they were, you, you know, and that's exactly what they were referring to is this, this whole wax recording technology. Yeah. You know, somebody who was a writer, writer on X files kind of keyed into that. I'm almost certain of it. 
but you know, you got to be thinking about that. Cause would, yeah. Cause when they would place the, play the voice of Jesus, it would do all these miraculous things, you know? And, um, so, you know, you're talking about an, basically an AVP recorded, you know, 2000 years ago, <laughs> you know, so interesting yeah. stuff. I mean, uh, when you start researching these things. Yeah, sure is. That's why, that's why I do it. <laughs> well, did you want to run through any of those, uh, some of that list I had of, of different recordings? Yeah. yeah um, do, do you want to do the Rumian on Queen yeah, Mary? Amazing EVP. That's one of my top, I'd say that's in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Go ahead and play that. Okay. I'll pull it for you. Here we get the picture too, if I can. That was picked up in um, March of 09, and I was uh, on board Queen Mary, and I was all alone in the Grand Ballroom. Uh, early morning hours, hardly anybody up. Uh, a couple of people milling about on the exterior, and I was all by myself in the center of the room when I recorded this thing, and it just, it's an amazing EVP. And it sounds just like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Uh, here we go. Yeah. Rumium absolved me. I cried. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and play it again. Rumium absolved me. Wow. Sound, Nick Cage? It sounds just like. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can go. Yeah, I mean, it's just this. Somebody should use that in some music. I'd license them to do it. Yeah, throw it in a song. Yeah, yeah the Girl, do, do you what? I've seen um, Civil War photo that looks exactly like him. Yeah. Oh, like Nick Cage? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's it, it's funny. Um, uh, there was the, the I had so many strange experiences on board that ship. Um, that was just one of many. I mean, I, I had EVPs in German from the, uh, from down at the very lowest part of the ship. I went on a tour down there and, uh, we recorded EVP in German, which wow. I, I'm not sure what they were saying, but, um, I had a, a full on apparitional sighting for a solid five minutes, uh, on my first five minutes aboard the ship. Um, uh, I was, I had just checked in and, uh, I was in staying in room A025, which is just around the corner from the uh, main check-in desk. So I didn't even take get 10 feet into that ship before I could feel everything in that. It was like going through a really thick atmosphere. And uh, you, you, you knew you, you were just spirits everywhere. And so I check in, and I had my reservation and all that. So they were real nice. Give my key. I go walking down. And suddenly I feel like there's somebody behind me, and I look, and there's this guy. And I thought he was a period uh, reenactor and he's this really nice chap. And he says, hello to me. And I says, hello. And says, that's a nice outfit you've got on. And he goes, oh yes. He says, I've worked aboard the ship many years. And he starts telling me about the ship and he's just got this little smile on his face. Like he knows something I don't. And we go on and on and I'm holding on to, uh, I was going to do a broadcast on my, uh, you know, ghostwriter show on, on blog talk. So I had my mixer, I had all my stuff, my lot, you know, all my, uh, you know, clothing, you know, I mean, I literally had the bags on me and finally, after about five minutes of this guy talking and he was just had the most hypnotic, pleasant voice. He was a uh, middle-aged Sandy hair, 
had these really kind of cool spectacles that were the little round ones, so like back in, <laughs> and he had this cap on, you know, and, and it was the full Bellman look, you know, of the 1940s. So I really thought he was a period reenactor. So I finally said, Hey, you know, this equipment's getting heavy on me. I said, let me just open the door and I'll drop my stuff out. I said, I really want to hear what you have to say. And he said, Oh, no problem. You know, so really, uh, really a nice chap. And so I, I go in, I open the door, drop in my stuff, turn around and he's gone, but literally and gone. And I'm looking around and, and it's like on either side you know, of me are hallways going out, almost looking to infinity. I mean, this is a big ship. And so I go running after him. I took, the, I decided, well, if he left, he left by the shortest end, which was to my right. So I ran, ran out looking for him thinking, you know, was this guy, you know, you know, screwing with me or something. So, I mean, I left my door open with the key keys in the door and everything went running after him and, uh, ended up in a little uh, alcove that comes out and then you end up uh, where there's a big open area and there's uh, stairs that go up and, um, you, and there were people wandering all through there. And I'm like, you know, there's no guy. I mean, where did he go? And I could literally feel this guy laughing at me, you know? And so I go back to my room and I'm still mystified going, if this is what's going to happen the whole time I'm here, you know, cause I was staying for three days. I thought this is going to be an interesting trip. So I went back and I, I, I got to the front desk. Um, a few minutes later, I locked, locked everything up and I went walking back and I said, uh, uh, I had a little experience and they said, what I told them who, what I saw and what the guy looked like. And they went, Oh him. Yeah. Everybody talks about him. He's really nice. <laughs> I said, he's not a period reenactor. And they go, no, he's a ghost. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, that's hey, what's that picture of the case? <laughs> what's that? Here, I'll show you. I'll show you. Here. I found a picture of of Nick Cage. Um, oh yes, the one the, from the Civil War. It probably would be. It probably was him back in the day, and he got he got knocked off during the war. Yeah. See. Oh yeah. <laughs> The resemblance is like uncanny, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, he, yeah, he's got that same look that, that yeah, he's got the Nick Cage look. He's just got the look. <laughs> I like Cage. He's got, he's got the oh, best. He's, uh, he's just like, he's got the best attitude. Yeah. yeah. Let me get the oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Even the same ear, the, the ear is the same. Yeah. It's spooky, I mean. That is. You know, something I'm trying to do, I'm trying to find um, somebody who can do uh, paranormal art because um, uh, I want to be able to, you know, the, like the artists always do for that uh, woman on the, the dead files. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 I want to describe this guy and get a picture of him uh, drawn for me. So I'm looking for somebody who can do you know, over the phone or over video uh, with me and I can look at what they're drawing and uh, kind of describe him to a T and uh, give them kind of a, uh, a picture. I mean, it's been, geez, it's 2009 here. You know, it's been years, you know, 12 years or so. Um, but I remember what this guy looks like. And I mean, I want to document this. I mean, it literally the first five minutes aboard the ship and I'm, I'm, 
I have a full on five minute conversation with a ghost, you know, it, it, it kind of burns in your memory, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I can say this, uh, the two ships I both I've been on, um, well, I've been on a number of ships, but yeah, USS Hornet and, uh, uh Queen Mary, uh, both incredibly haunted, but Queen Mary has more ghosts and a lot more activity. Um, I, I'm our guest to I love to do, but I didn't get a chance to. Yeah. Well, it is what it is, right? If you get the chance to go aboard a uh, any haunted ship, do it. You will not be disappointed. And um, what I like about uh, Hornet is uh, the ability to be able to drop equipment in different places and tuck it places where people won't mess with it. And uh, we, we've recorded some amazing stuff. I had a, a EVP of uh, on the Hornet at about four in the morning. Everybody's asleep. The ship is super quiet, and this you hear this spirit, you know, start shrieking, and he's yelling, "Get out! Get out of here! I want you all out of here!" And it's, <laughs> and, he's, and there's people snoring, and there's this spirit yelling, "Get out!" <laughs> you know? I probably just tired of people coming on tours and stuff. <laughs> I had uh, enough. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. There's actually, um, uh, I had talked with, uh, I, I was, I was basically, uh, going to the ship so often they finally just started letting me stay on board for free. Cause I would help with the investigations. And, um, uh, I got to know, uh, I'm trying to remember her name. Um, uh, I think her name was Heidi and she had a twin sister there and, uh, Heidi was running the, uh, running a lot of the paranormal events. So she would invite me on and just give me a room to stay. And I would just show up at any of the uh, ghost hunts and uh, participate. And uh, we just, we had so many experiences aboard Hornet. Um, I remember one that I wrote about in the book where it, um, uh, it was a rainy night and we're going across the flight deck and I get the CVP and it was dark and, and, uh, and it was kind of a fog, foggy thing, uh, type of weather with, a slight amount of rain and it was slippery and this spirit was worried about us. And I get this EVP that's, you know, continually being saying, Hey, stay together, stay together. Everybody stay together, you know, go towards the, uh, center Island, you know, don't get lost. And he's actually showing this real caring about, about us. And Heidi said to me one day that she goes, you do realize there's a dual command structure on the ship. And I said, really? And she says, there's the living who, uh, do their thing on the ship, but the dead also, uh, most of them are military ex military and they work, uh, to keep everybody in line on their side and they have their own command structure. And the two basically form a, a cohesive whole organization. And so the spirit, they have uh, regular get togethers and meetings with these spirits, according to what she was saying. And. I, you know, I don't know what she's doing now. I haven't talked to her in quite a few years, but, um, but I, that always got to be, you know, remembering that, that they had this command structure and you would, uh, probably think that there's probably something similar going on on Queen Mary. Um, even though it's, I think, closed for renovations right now, they're doing a lot of engineering fixes for the ship because there was a whole bunch of problems and, uh, the whole thing with the Ovid deal. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, ships have these, uh, just, they just have an amazing propensity for, for hauntings. 
And uh, I, I have just never forgotten that, that, that experience, though, with that ghost on Queen Mary, five minutes of apparition, longest ever. I mean, I, you know, I can deal with, you know, you know, a few seconds of an apparition and they wink out, but five minutes telling me about the history of the ship, you know, get real, man. That's, that's off the charts. Cool. <laughs> well, did you want to play some more? Sure. Yeah. Let's um, some- I, that was cool. Um, there's somebody that's asking questions. Um, do you want them to contact you afterwards? Yeah, if you want, uh, you can, oh, I'll answer any questions on air that anybody wants, and then you can okay. reach me. There's uh, ask, ask, ask about, um, if you do reading, if you're doing reading, readings now, or do you want to do them? I, I haven't done reading work in forever, and I'm right. just back into my mediumship work. Um, uh, I did readings on air for quite some time on uh, my Ghostwriter Paranormal radio show, uh, and when I was working with Kathy Bradshaw and, that, and those kind of people, um, and they're all gone now. My God, all they have, all of them, have, almost all of them have crossed over. Um, but I do intend to get back into some reading work, but, uh, right now, no, I, I've, I've been dealing with a lot of life challenges and, uh, and, uh, sometimes, you know, you just go through stuff and you got to work your way back in. And, uh, I took a break from the paranormal from about, oh, from about 2015. And then I had, you know, I was dealing with sick parents and stuff like that. And then my own uh, back issues, you know, when I retired out of Aerojet. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm writing about all the cases and stuff, and I'm I'm just now getting back into uh, active casework. Um, but for readings, um, you know, uh, at this point, uh, practice reading. If somebody wa- uh, if somebody wanted to put themselves through a practice reading with me, you know, and chance it, you know, uh, get in contact with me. I'll, I need to practice on people, so yeah, there's gonna be no charge for it, and you know, watch them all come running now. Uh, but uh, they, they contact them to his website. I'll I'll post it there. Right? Yeah, you can. Maybe, you, maybe Debbie could be nice and post it for us. Yeah, you can get to uh, me on Soulstream uh, if you go to Facebook.com/slash Soulstream Radio. It's that simple. You know, just okay. get a hold of me, just send a message, and uh, I'll get back with you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it. Um, yeah, I had a lot of good times reading. You know. Uh, no, reading- no. And, uh, uh, and do, and do all your EVPs. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did, we did a, a form of uh, reading with EVP where I would uh, basically uh, go into my full, full reading mode and we would, uh, uh, I would meditate. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. I would meditate before the show and it would be uh, 15 minutes of meditation to really get into that state and then just get on air. And uh, you would, I would do, uh, combine EPP work with mediumship and you couldn't believe some of the stuff we'd get. Um, and it caused a kind of a sensation there for a while. Um, but I had my regulars who would come in and, and, uh, the thing with reading is you find is there's, there's people, um, this is going to, some people might take this the wrong way and, but I'm meaning it out of love of my heart kind of thing. Uh, if you need to be being read every week by somebody uh, and you're not listening to your own inner inner core of yourself, um, there's a problem. And what would happen is I would get some people to be almost like groupies and there would be 
people that would come in and get a, want a reading every week and uh, they would be looking to me. And I am an imperfect, fallible human being, you know, and, uh, I have, a, uh, I went through my training with, uh, uh, my teacher was Carol Nicholson who helped me with my mediumship work. And, um, and one of the things that she said that I always uh, loved was that, you know, readings should only be, um, you know, at the most, uh, two to four times a year for somebody, uh, you've got a soul contract. And when you come to on, onto the earth, uh, and you've got to live your life. You've got to live your life. And the spirit world is there to kind of cheer us on, you know, cause we sign a soul contract to um, come down here and do things. And we're going to be hit with life challenges and uh, you know, throwing it all on a medium is not always the, the right decision. And uh, uh, well, you had your fair share of trolls. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Oh, I can <laughs> God, don't get me started. But uh, yeah, you know who I'm talking about too. But uh, <laughs> let's just put it this way. Um, it, yeah, it, if you need to be read more than, I would say, uh, twice a year, um, you got to start looking at yourself. Say, what's wrong with my life? And and especially if, uh, if the same reading keeps coming back at you from different mediums, and generally, uh, most mediums are pretty ethical people. There's some that are not so ethical, but um, most mediums are going to come through and they're going to have somewhat the same messages for you because the other side is you know, trying to get your attention to get you to make changes in your life to fulfill that soul contract. And um, when you're doing that work, uh, you know, as a, you know, if you're really genuine as a medium and you're really doing the, the work out of the love of your heart for the subject and uh, trying to deliver good messages, um, you're going to tell the truth uh, to people. And sometimes it's stuff they don't want to hear. Um, yeah, I, I saw a lot of stuff when I was on air with mediumship. I, I, I've kind of gravitated to the point where on-air work um, doesn't appeal to me as much as it used to. I would probably do more telephone reading, you know, in, in these times mm -hmm. and uh, just talk to people directly. You know, uh, but I'm still considering all that. I mean, I'm still deciding what I want to do, you know, with, uh, with the mediumship, work. but I do want to practice. So yeah, if somebody wants to be, uh, wants to talk to me, yeah, I, I, could, I could use the help doing some practice and it's not going to be, uh, I ain't going to charge anything for it for practice work. So yeah, have some fun with me. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Do yeah. you want these, uh, reverse one next? Yeah, go ahead and play. Uh, which one? Which reverse one is it? Um, is uh, Pioneer Saresta Chair Technique? Oh, is that uh, the one when I was sleeping? Um, says I turned myself recently captured because hey, VP, they help you or they love you. Yeah, this uh, this was done this week, and oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. What happened was I've been going through in my book research, I've been going back through some of the old newsletters from the uh, American Association of you know, Electronic Voice uh, Phenomena and Sarah Estep's work. And um, Sarah Estep, you know, was literally, uh, she was like the, the center of the EVP universe in this country for many, many years. And, um, and she was experimenting with EVP while you were asleep. So I thought, well, why can't I do that? So I did this recording the other night. Uh, I stuck my, my little, uh, HP laptop down and I put audacity on and there's a timer mode. You can set audacity to oh, come, I, mm -hmm. come on at a certain time and you can tell it how long you want it to record for. 
So I just turned it loose at two in the morning to record for an hour. Well, I analyzed the EVP the other day and I've got this EVP that came right on and said, it's not a class A, it's a class B EVP, but, um, but it's definitely a spirit voice. So if you want to play it, see what people, you know, here, here you go. (laughs) Try it again. Yeah. It's a male voice. I think it sounds like the help to you, but yeah, we help you or we love you. It's, yeah. it's subjective. And this is the part with EVP where it's get, it gets maddening. You know, some of the stuff you heard uh, before is the kind of the cream of the crop. Uh, this is more, you know, what you generally get. This <laughs> what, what, is what discerns you, not a class A, but a class B. Yeah, it's class B. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, it, you know, there's a lot of interpretation that goes on with this, uh, but it's right. definitely not anything that would have been in my room uh, other than me and my cat, uh, other than a spirit you know, popping by to say something. And um, I thought it was an amazing piece of evidence, but yeah, that's, that's hot off the griddle. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. It was well, a good, I think it was a good capture. Yeah. Uh, here we are. Bunch of them here, I guess. Um, I'll pull them up, and you can you can see them on the screen, right? I'll pull them up. Uh, yeah, I can see them when you pull them up. Okay, so right, try go ahead. Ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna grab a few. Yeah, I love the one that I got with the Civil War ghost. We had actually Civil War detachments out here in California at one point during the Civil War. And I got this one that I love. It's on that list. Burn Yankee. <laughs> Burn Yankee. Yeah, yeah. The first one you have here is called Guilty of it Going Over the Fence. Oh, yeah, Guilty Going Over the Fence. Uh, there's a cemetery called uh, Clarksville Cemetery down in the town of El Dorado Hills, California. And that's literally on the way. Uh, it's on the last part of the foothills before you descend into the formally into the Sacramento Valley towards uh, Folsom and Sacramento. And uh, this is an old pioneer cemetery and they're st- actually still in use. There's still people buried up there, but mm-hmm. it kind of overlooks the whole, the, all the city growth that's happened all around it. And um, I didn't know where the entrance to this cemetery was. So I finally, I came around behind this movie theater that's there and I wandered up this path and worked my way in. This fence was knocked down. So I go over the fence, you know, I just literally walked over it because it was flat on the ground and I walk <laughs> into the cemetery and I get the CVP and I'm like laughing. It's like guilty going over the fence. I love it. I'll play it again. That's funny. It's like a really good one. Oh, yeah. uh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, the, the noise in the background actually is the uh, is the sound of traffic going by on Highway 50. And yeah, I heard. One traffic, of the things yeah. that, that uh, EVP that kind of depends on in a lot of cases in what's called transform EVP is the sound of of kind of white noise to help them formulate. White, yeah, yeah I would so. say white noise traffic can help. Yeah, yeah, traffic is perfect for helping them do that. Yeah. What's the yeah. next one you're going to play? Burn Yankees. Yeah, burn Yankees. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk about that one? Or? 
that was the morgue. Yeah, that was, uh, in Georgetown, California. And, uh, I was there with, uh, uh, I was with Christine Morris that day and we were out on a, we were just hitting all these different sites and, uh, we go into this bar in Georgetown and it's, uh, it's been there from, you know, time immemorial. So there's a lot of spirits hanging out in there. And I had my, um, uh, when I did my work on Aeroframe, I was given a jacket, which, uh, uh, basically had all kinds of, uh, uh, it was a fighter pilot jacket. So I had all kinds of insignia and top gun patches and stuff. So this spirit thought I was like, uh, you know, thought I was American military. So <laughs> it's like, it's like burn Yankee. <laughs> just <laughs> it all. And I'm like, that's the best EVP. I just love it. All right. I'll wait. Oh man. <laughs> So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Oh my god, that's, 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 that's a clear EVP. I mean, and <laughs> like, yeah, I'm gonna go set myself on fire. How dare I be in there? <laughs> you know? So it's funny. Oh yeah. Play it one more time. It's just too good. Uh, yeah, I'll, I will. I swear me. <laughs> that is just too great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. The next one is your Spencer Civil War rifle reading. Yeah. That's a kind of a long one, but um, basically what it was was a friend of mine at Aerojet um, heard about my work with uh, EVP and he came up to me and says, Hey, I've got this Spencer Civil War rifle. And I said, okay. And uh, he said, I want to, I want to, uh, actually have you take it out in the parking lot home with you and uh, see if you can get it to do anything. You know, if you can record anything and I'd never done anything like that in my life. I mean, I just, just like, okay, this is like really early in my EVP work. And so I said, well, I'll try. I says, I can't guarantee any results. So I, I stuck a recorder out and got home and, uh, sat down and, uh, I'm not sure how long this one is. I think it's a fairly yes, long one. Yeah, it's 45 seconds, but it, I, we can uh, play it. I mean. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and play it. Yeah. Here we go. Were you bringing it back from the battlefield? Were you bringing bodies back? Or perhaps body of someone that you were uh, wanting to uh, bring home to bury. That. Yeah. I call yeah. upon the spirit of the man who owned this. Yeah, it's right, no. it's right, it's right here. I'll play here. There. Yeah, Averett or Everett, and we—I've never really decided which. Yeah, and I, I call upon the spirit of the man who owned this. Yeah, it—it the thing was he wanted to know who might have had that, and uh, I started tracking through some of the Civil War documentation, and there were plenty of people named Averett or Everett, and um, I don't remember all the uh, the, the particulars with that, but. It was, um, 
those Spencer rifles were some of the first repeating rifles technology that ever was used. And, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the North was producing these and they were very prized because of their ability to rapid fire. They were rimfire cartridges. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but even civil war, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the rebel side, you know, the Confederates were, uh, very interested in them and, uh, they didn't have the, the technology to make the uh, cartridges, but when they would catch them, they would use them and they would get the ammunition and, use anything they could against the, uh, the North. And, uh, so I, it's hard to say who had that, but that name coming through, that was just amazing. And when I played that guy, he just was like bug eyed, you know, it's like, just like I was, I was like, wow, this is really cool. You know, somebody, somebody said the name, you know, so I don't know who it was, but, um, class A EVP all the way, you know, definitely, definitely a great catch. Yeah. Not just it's burn Yankee, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> burn Yankee. The next one is BLD House near Pilot Hill, California. Has to help me on. Um trying to think of what that one was. Let me, let me pull up that page. It was there's a woman please your help by a pre investigation team in two thousand eight. Uh Clear catcher looking at the history and background to the site to learn who she was. Trying to, th- uh, which number is it? Um, number seven. Number seven, Bailey House. Yeah, yeah. Bailey House. This is that. Uh, this was, uh, there was a couple investigations I did there. The one I told you about earlier with, uh, with my friend, uh, Christine. And then uh, this one is at Bailey House, same place. And, uh, we had just done a pre-investigation, uh, of that site and we just happened to stop by. Um, so yeah, I, I don't remember the specifics with this one, but go ahead and play it. And, uh, okay. Oh yeah. It's to help me here in the middle. You can hear the. Yeah, that is like a yeah, really there, there, there's something there's something after help me too, I think. Yeah, there is. There's quite a bit yeah. on it. But yeah, it, just, uh, it's one of those uh, EVPs where you get the actual tonality of the voice and uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Play I, it again. You can tell it's the same voice too and yeah. two different two different things. So yeah. And some do sound female on me, so yeah. It, Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that's clear. That's, that's a good one. Uh, number six is Wolf Manor. The color yeah, of the sanitarium. You, yeah, you yeah. I hate out. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, there was a bedroom. It's th- that, that place is no longer there. The city of Clovis bulldozed it to the ground because of... Uh, uh, the guy who ran Wolf Manor, I, I think his name was Wolf. Um, that was originally the Clovis Sanitarium. It was an insane asylum, and there, it was a terrible, terrible place. Um, other than um, one other place, which I mentioned in I own with that boys' reformatory, uh, I came away from that one incredibly ill from it. It um, the the stuff that went on in there was horrible, and. Uh, uh, and when I went into the, one of the bedrooms, there's a woman named Mary. It's, it was Mary's bedroom. 
And, uh, the EVP that I captured there was just, uh, it was just dark. <laughs> no other word. Yeah. Go ahead and play it. You'll hear it. Okay. Here we go. Very dark. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'll see you again. Wow. You are out. Out. Yeah. Uh, just commanding me to get the hell out of there. And trust yeah. me, I had no trouble leaving that facility. Uh, that There was a lot that went on that night. Uh, I got some other great EVPs. Uh, I worked with TAPS there for a while. They, they had... Uh, Amy Bruni was there and uh, oh, Irish guy. She's nice. Yeah. He, he was really cool. Uh, I loved working with him. He was super cool to me and uh, Amy was real cool. Uh, we did a lot of really neat work there, but um, I was ready to come home and it took me about three days to, to start kind of feeling like myself again after that. It was so sad in there. And so I, I I'm really glad that the city did take it down because uh, dead files did an episode where, um, Amy, the medium from that show, went in and uh, she told uh, Todd, I think his name was Todd, Todd Wolf. Um, she told him, you can't open this as a hotel. This is never going to work. And the city, I think, uh, basically watched that episode and they took action and they basically uh, seized the property and said, no, you can still own the property and probably turn it into a parking lot, but this building's got to go. You know, it's just not right. going to be good. And, um, there was just a lot of terrible things that happened there. The, um, the abuse of the patients that went on in there, uh, just, yeah, bad, very bad. Um, I've, my grandfather was a research, uh, neurosurgeon and he ended up having a heart attack at the operating and he had to quit neurosurgery and he went into uh, psychiatry and, uh, he ran the, uh, uh, DeWitt mental hospital. He was the lead doctor there. Uh, for quite a few years before he died in 1962. And um, they did the same thing. The county did the same thing to that facility. When they uh, basically closed that, they went in and demolished it because it was that bad. And, uh, you know, my grandfather died on the premises. He had a massive heart attack and died at his desk. And uh, uh, I've always wanted to go back and uh, take a look at the county offices because they built county offices right on top of it. And I've always wondered just how haunted those offices are. Um, right. Built a building right on top of that. But um, yeah, going in, it's, I would recommend to people, if you're going to go into places like these with that kind of history, your health needs to be tip-top shape. Uh, mm. don't, don't go in if you're having upset in your life. You know, if you're going through a divorce, you're going through some personal challenge, don't go to those places. Yeah, you, it, it's going to going to rebound on you bad so yeah um i i went there three days for me to get get over it you know so yeah it's uh it's it's i i i like going on investigations but i be careful with some of those kind of places yeah yeah right there's positive places to go like haunted ships which generally have better ghosts you know right the next ones uh seems a little better it's called like me it's fair play cemetery in California. Yeah, let me look at that. Um, That's tomorrow, number five. I don't remember that one. Uh, I haven't played that in a while. So, yeah, let's just see what, see what we get. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. You look like a likely person who would like to talk. Yep, here, that's towards the end, and you hear up again. Like me. You look like a likely person who would like to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's towards the end, like me. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, there was rain going on. and, uh, and Yeah, I thought so it was rain. I heard rain, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, w- it, I was, I, I remember coming back from that one. I, I was literally just soaked getting back into my, uh, my Mustang, you know, being out in that. And uh, um, I recommend to people that if you, if you have thunderstorms going on or you've got uh, a lot of rain going on, great time to do EVP work. Um, get out there, you know, uh, put on a raincoat if you're going out to a place like that and uh, do the work because uh, there's something about the negative ions in the air and there's something about the sound of the rain that just brings out EVP, you know. There's a reason, you know, the old days say, you know, if you read some of the old literature, it was a dog and stole me not. <laughs> you know, that's because spirits love that, you know, and uh, yeah, you get great EVP too. So look for those dark and stormy nights. I, I I love recording and that stuff. <laughs> yeah. What do we got? All right. Next, the, next is uh, number four. This is Georgetown Hotel. I'm right behind you. You. That's all I was calling. The Georgetown Hotel is right across the street from the Burn Yankee uh, bar. And, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, it's literally across the street. And uh, uh, that the Georgetown hotel has a long reputation of being haunted. And, uh, uh, all you have to do is go in and just ask a few of the locals that are standing around in the bar there and you know, they're going to tell you stuff. Um, and, uh, we went in, we didn't actually go up beyond, uh, you know, just the bar and mm-hmm. we were standing there talking and I think it was Christine and me recording and, uh, um, uh, I get the CVP. It's just I'm right behind you. And it's just the way it says it is kind of spooky. Ah. But, yeah. Get, get behind the Satan. <laughs> yeah, it was daytime too. If you did. A lot of my best EVPs are daytime EVP. I, this one was broad daylight, you know, so yeah. yeah see, a lot of people think you're in the game at night. You don't want, I mean, you go out, you go in there day all the time. So, yeah. okay, here it is. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's class B, but it's definitely I'm right behind you. You know, just this. I'll, I'll yeah. play again. <laughs> yeah, play it again. Yeah, I hear it. Yeah, yeah, it's just this, uh, and that's what a lot of people miss. Um, miss with evp they um you know they'll they're looking for the class a and you get these amazing captures and stuff like that that just uh that just you know, well, just, the, you know. the last time i took is we're going through and you just hear little um little like whisper somewhere noise mm-hmm. if you're someone down sometimes you can actually pick up a voice yeah and, uh, that's exactly right you can uh, slow them down. You can, uh, you can start uh, and you can loop them and then start really hearing what's being said. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, a lot of times you'll get, you'll, you'll, you'll realize that there's way more messages on 
you know, a typical EVP recording than people would think. So yeah, absolutely. You know, it's amazing the amount of uh, recordings of uh, on YouTube and uh, Rumble videos. I did a whole show here just the other day on my uh, program on SoulStream where we uh, I've, I've been keeping a list for about a decade now of uh, YouTube videos <laughs> with, with EVP. Yeah. And uh, I got to tell you, I mean, it, it runs the gamut from everything from uh, cooking shows to uh, stuff, you know, people doing um, uh, doing shows on, uh, you know, restoring uh, old cars. I've got that. I've got uh, a couple of dumpster divers that. Uh, <laughs> that the, the fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it, it runs the gamut. Uh, and another guy who likes to explore old abandoned mines, he was having amazing EVP captures. And a lot of them don't even realize that they've got EVP in their video till I pointed out. And then I finally learned to not say anything because it would spook them. You know, you'd say, you know, I'd come on YouTube and comment and say, Hey, you got an EVP and you know, I'm an investigator and this is what I do. And yeah, when I said that to the, uh, the two dumpster divers, they pulled all the videos and I never, I never bothered to make a copy of the, you know, of, of what I was, uh, what I, they had actually put out there. And this, I mean, this one, um, the guy's name is Steve. I won't say the rest of the, the name, but Steve, the, uh, the dumpster diver, uh, was standing up there and he's commenting, his wife is filming and he's commenting about how cold it suddenly got, you know, it's summertime and he's going, it's really chill in there and it's cold. And, and then this amazing EVP happens and they're live broadcasting on YouTube. And, you know, and I watch it later when it's just in regular playback mode. And here's this amazing EVP and they never noticed that because they're not looking for it. And so there's just a ton of streaming EVP out there. <coughs> People, yeah, if you hear this stuff, uh, definitely send it to me because I put it on the list and then, um, you know, I will play it on the show and, uh, you know, make an excerpt of it. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm building my list back up. I, I played on my show a decade's worth of my captures, you know, and uh, we did a couple hours of that just to, to talk about, you know, how these EVP form. But, uh, yeah. The, sure. I've also, like, on some main shows, I won't see it's what it is, it's one of the main, but they were doing a residential case, and I picked one up that nobody else did, did pick up. And I went back onto the site, and people also commented they heard it too, but they didn't pick it up from their show. Yeah, uh, realize that they spot-checked their uh, audio, they're not going to listen to the whole show. They're, they're being right. paid the hour. They're yeah. not going to, they're not going to go through and uh, do a lot of work to uh, clean that audio up. Right. Now there's actually, uh, I've been doing some research into old uh, Soviet and uh, early American space program audio. And it turns out there was quite a bit of EVP being picked up on those. And NASA got so, upset about it, they started sanitizing their audio. They're, they're paying a very good attention now. Um, I, I took a, uh, I, I was taking some of the audio from the more, the more recent uh, uh, rover landing and uh, they were uh, they were playing some of the audio from Mars and it's been absolutely just wiped clean. There's nothing in there. And I even took uh, audio from the uh, in-flight tests that they were doing of audio that they released to the public and Oh, you, it's literally, they filtered it out on purpose. And, uh, 
but don't think that the space program doesn't have EVP because they do. And uh, the Soviet Venera lander that landed on uh, uh, Venus, there's some interesting stuff that I picked up and I did a, I did a uh, article on it on my, uh, wow. uh, my uh, soul stream. I think it's either on the soul stream or uh, ghost rider paranormal site. I can't remember which one, but I did an, I did a look at it really in depth. And then the conclusion I came to was either the EVP formed here on earth while they were processing the audio somewhere along the chain of custody or that it was actually picked up on Venus. And, you know, and the question is, you know, I'm kind of leaning more to it being an earthly cause, but the point is, is that we need to start looking at um, audio from all sources, including off earth. And uh, some of these things are going to be recorded. Now, the Apollo astronauts picked up uh, audio. Uh, the, I can't remember which mission it was, Apollo 11, 12, or 13, I think it was, uh, or 14. But it was one of those. Yeah. Eventually, if I say enough numbers, I'll get it right. But uh, the bottom line is, is that uh, there was these uh, sounds of music that they were hearing. And then the, uh, other strange things were being heard by them. And they talked about it. And it was all recorded on... Um, uh, a continuous recording that they had aboard ship that eventually was transcribed. And, uh, some of that music, I think, I think there's some cases of, uh, or actual samples of the, uh, that music being heard on some of the NASA audio so that they, they can't quite get rid of that and scrub it. But the newer stuff, yeah, they, they scrub the hell out of it and make yeah, sure. That, they do. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the bottom line is that, you know, some discussions have gone on with people that were in the know, um, that said, oh yeah, we were getting a lot of strange things out there and, uh, things that we don't want the public to talk about or know about. And, uh, so, you know, yeah, uh, secure team 10, 10 has it right. You know, NASA, never a straight answer. I mean, I worked with NASA, really nice people, uh, for the most part, but when you're dealing with the, uh, the leadership who have their own agenda about what truth they want to get out, um, uh, yeah, never a straight answer, you All know, right. kind of wise, but. Uh, the rank and file people, some of the best uh, scientists I've ever worked with, you know, so neat people. But, but um, yeah, it's clear we were picking up stuff out in space that, uh, yes, it was, it was EVP. <laughs> no, other word, no other word for it. Yeah. You want to keep going on the list, though. We can kind of work our way through. Okay. Uh, the next one is the S1. It says it is a 10-minute long EVP. <laughs> I want, yeah, that's too long. I, yeah, yeah let's that one. Okay, all right. And next one is um, St. George, St. <laughs> George, Brazil, Volcano, California. This back off, back off, get out. Yeah, the St. George Hotel <laughs> is uh, one of those beautiful little um, uh, gold rush hotels. There's another one called the American, I think it's in, in, in the same town. They're both haunted as heck. And there's actually ghosts that shuttle from the, between the St. George and the American uh, up the street and around the corner is the, the American hotel. And they, the same ghosts go back and forth between them. <laughs> so <laughs> little girl ghosts I recorded from there, but um, there's this grumpy old dude that's on the second floor of the St. George who never comes out of his room. And he is cantankerous. I mean, I, I was in there with, uh, two other investigators when I recorded this thing and it was daytime and this guy was pissed off 
And he was just wanting us to be uh, just out of the, out of there in the, no uncertain terms. And I could feel it. You know, I could feel it. It was just this, ooh, feeling it. I wanted to get the heck out of there. <laughs> and, uh, and we finally left because everybody was feeling uncomfortable. And, and then later on, we play the, you know, I play the CBP, you know, uh, recording or analyzed it and pulled this out. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy was, <laughs> this guy's ticked off. So, yeah, go ahead and play it. You'll, you'll hear. Trust me, uh, you'll hear. I hear how my voice is kind of a strange little sudden getaway, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my. We'll help it again. He was so energetic, he was breaking up the voice, my own voice on the recorder. Yeah, I heard that. I was wondering. I even, there was no filtering going on. I did no audio processing of that. That's what you get. What you heard is what you get. I had that before. I went live too. I thought that was really that. And there he is but, um, in uh, Gisbert. Yeah. I won. Yeah. Okay, here we, okay here we go. Yeah, it's all right in the beginning. <laughs> back off, back off, get out. Kind of a strange little. Yeah, I hear the, it. <laughs> it was. Uh, it literally creeped me out. I, that hotel is so haunted. Uh, I, 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 I can't even begin to describe the stuff that would happen. We were, um, we went out for dinner the night that we stayed there, and uh, uh, the hotel it, we stayed there on. Uh, uh, I think it was, we stayed there Halloween night, uh, on in 2008. And, uh, we went out to, we found a Mexican restaurant that was open. So we went out and had dinner that night and I left a recording run, uh, recorder running on the, my bedroom you know, on the second floor I was staying in and I locked the door and left. And when we came back, I, and I did the analysis later, there was, um, something was touching the recorder and literally bumping it. And then we were hearing thumps and bangs all through the, the, uh, the hotel. Uh, and we tried to chase them down because we were hearing them as we were there. But not only that, but we captured while the building was completely empty. We were the only people staying there. And uh, it was just amazing, uh, you know, the stuff that was happening in there. But that old dude, he was ticked. Nah. In his space. <laughs> And, uh, I, I pity anybody that stays the night in that room because he will, he will make your night a living hell. Let me tell yeah. you. Yeah. Welcome to sleep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. What a character. Uh, but I've run into spirits like that. They just are very territorial and, uh, you know, and now it's like, yeah, that was early before I really, the whole bit of manners, uh, but you know, that spirit's got to know it's a hotel, you know, right. hotel. I mean, why are you why are you still here? <laughs> yeah, why are you carping about this? I mean, somebody needs to cross that dude over. I mean, he needs some yeah, he's yeah. Deal. the great EVP. I mean, it's one of my uh I, I, I count that in the top ten, you know, that that's just a an awesome capture. But what a cantankerous dude. He's as bad as the other one at the uh, Clovis Cemetery, you know. 
you I hate out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you collect, collect a lot of good ones every year. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and I've got a ton more. I mean, uh, my central, I, I've redone my, uh, library, my EVP library and I've got, uh, you know, I've, I've been pulling them in. I had them scattered all over the place and I finally got it all centralized and I've got a, a managed library now. And so I've kind of going through and, uh, uh, reanalyzing old cases and uh, with new tools and, uh, just a, mm -hmm. A, a lot more experience and there's a lot of new stuff that I'm finding on old cases. So yeah, you know, well, with the, yeah. well, I, I just bought a four terabyte, uh, external drive. So I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah. I would recommend, um, to people when they do EVP recording is to make sure that you have at least, um, two places, you know, where you've recorded your data to, and you know, it had to have appropriate backup. Um, and I write about that in the book I'm writing on uh, EVP because it's it's mainly meant for people that are are just getting into this and they don't know anything. And the the idea is to get them introduced to just some real simple concepts of IT management for the, their libraries. I used to manage telemetry and uh, nine track tape libraries, eight millimeter tape libraries, you know, all kinds of physical media. And so. Um, you know, I'm applying just, you know, some of the basics of that stuff to help people with their, their, uh, EVP and uh, paranormal data capture and how to manage it and not get burned because, uh, I've got more friends that I've had tell me about loss of amazing stuff that they had that they had on one single drive. And, um, if, if, if anything that you hear tonight, uh, if you don't remember anything else, just remember, back up your data. You know, make sure you've got copies of uh, more than one copy of your paranormal yeah. data. It, it will get you. And then you will be crying because there's stuff I've had it happen to me. So well, back yeah. when we first started, we had burned disk. And I used to have a whole bunch of disk of evacuation. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. The, um, the uh, technology is almost here for uh, courts, uh, courts media and uh, courts. Uh, recording technology is so good that uh, there's actually been um, there was a mission by NASA to uh, take the entire Wikipedia library and they recorded it onto quartz uh, quartz wafers and it's on the moon now. Now that the, the craft that was land, uh, supposed to land intact it crashed and yet they said this stuff is so tough that uh, it is likely sitting on the moon's surface completely intact. And they came up with a methodology of recording all that data that'll, it should last about 12 billion years, wow. 12 billion with a B. So our conventional technology that we record with is, uh, you know, good for uh, a hard drive has a, a death sentence on it from the day you, you uh, use it. And the yeah. same thing with DVD, DVD is basically degrading as fast as it, you know, yeah. you, you record it, you may get four to 10 years out of it and you got to re-record it. Um, someday we're going to very soon, we'll have, we'll all have the ability to record on quartz media. And then it's just a matter of duplicate it and spread it out geographically and you won't lose data. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, but until then you're kind of stuck with, uh, you know, doing it the old fashioned way, which is managing right. it and paying attention to it. So yeah, I recommend yeah. people who record EVP, pay attention to your data. You don't want to lose it. You, know, you worked hard to get it, so you don't want yeah. and put it out. Yeah. The, you know, get it out in the cloud. The really good stuff, put out in the cloud. Put it out on websites like what I've done. 
because uh, I got hit with a, a very recent near disaster and it's kind of made me rethink everything and get it all centralized and then go through and clean everything up. Um, but I lost about 10% of my data, you know, and, and it happened to me, it, you know, even with all my knowledge and uh, it just creeps up on you and you don't want that to happen. So yeah, if you got four terabytes, uh, save up for another one and back up to that too. <laughs> <laughs> From a professional. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, are there any other? I don't think we've got any more to play. We already did the Shingle Springs Boy one, didn't we? Yeah, I did that one. Um, yeah. I think it was the last one you gave me. Yeah, that. I, I, I. These are these are all like the old ones, and uh, you know, I'm going through. There's a bunch of stuff I didn't release, and so um, I, I will get them. Uh, you know, because I had cases right up to 2019 before, you know, the whole COVID thing happened. And uh, I've just got so much more that I haven't released, you know, and uh, I, I should have been putting it out there, but I've got a ton of it. <laughs> There's really good stuff. But these these are some great recordings, you know, from the early days. Oh, yeah. They are. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, um, you know, uh, God, thank you for having me on. <laughs> oh. It's very blasty. Let's get how you want to get. That's for sure. Well, I have a ball. Well, I've got a ball too, and uh, you know, just you know, and it, again, if anybody wants to reach me, you know, just just uh, Facebook me. You know, at Soulstream Radio, um, Facebook.com/slash/SoulstreamRadio, and then you know, and and my show's on every week on Twitch. Uh, I'm on every Saturday night, 9 p.m. Pacific, for a couple hours. So we always and it's uh. Midnight here. It's midnight here. Oh, it's you, been, uh, yeah. For me, out the east end. It's yeah, uh, yeah midnight. Yeah, it's kind of why I, I came up with midnight in the Sierras. I kind of threw that out there. <laughs> it is midnight the time I'm it's, on. It's, it's, it's your, for the east coast or midnight in Sierras. <laughs> yeah, but we take our show too, and uh, I uh, podcast that. I take the audio uh, and uh, extract it from the. Uh, Twitch show and then I get I think the terms of service are 24 hours and then you can take the audio or video and rebroadcast it on another platform yeah. but I think the audio and stream that out as podcast and uh, you know keep it going but uh, yeah I, I mean I love broadcasting on Twitch the mighty Twitch yeah. great place with to uh, with the StreamYard um, it actually records audio and video so I already have a file after this yeah, out. yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny. We've all worked out our different ways of, uh, you know, getting it out there. I, I mean, I used to do the stuff on uh, Blog Talk, but um, it's just it, things have changed, you know, so much from the Blog Talk days. And um, uh, I'm basically uh, getting ready to basically do my last show on Blog Talk uh, this Saturday. I'm going to do that at six o'clock, and that'll be my final show. And I'm shutting down that account. I've moved everything over to. Uh, my own server and all that, you know, all the old shows. Cause I had like 300 plus shows. I mean, I've been doing this a while, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I've had all those shows. I mean, just, uh, I, I've been really working hard on getting that uh, converted, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's so much better. You know, I, I really like the Twitch platform and, uh, you know, I'm using Buzzsprout is my provider for my, oh, uh, yeah. but, but I use, uh, um, I use anchor. Yeah, no, they're you know all they're, of them. And, and it it sounds out uh, Spotify, almost Spotify on Amazon Music. I'm yeah, on, um, 
homework yeah. film. So, yeah, it's just, uh, they just, they do a really great job distributing it and mm -hmm. you don't have to do all that work. And, uh, and I didn't yeah. have that uh, blog talk. So, uh, I wish them well, but, uh, yeah, I'm moving on to this cause it's just, it opened up everything for me. And, uh, um, I just love, but I love being on Twitch cause it just makes it so easy. And you know, you get a young audience and they see who's that old dude talking about ghosts, you know, I am recording the live the three, uh, Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. Yeah. So. I love, I love that part about what you're doing. I'm going to have to look at that because, uh, I, I love the Twitch though. Cause you know, just doing this, it's simple for me. You know, I like things simple, but, um, <laughs> I'll have to take a look at what your, your provider does for you with that. But, um, yeah, I was surprised when I first saw you recording this show and I'm like, going, wait a minute, he's on Facebook. Wait a minute. He's on, he's on YouTube. Wait a minute. He's over here on Twitch too. How many places does this guy broadcast? How the hell did he do that? Yeah. I didn't do that. So yeah, and there's just a ton. There's so much to learn, you know, you, you oh, and you think uh, every time I think I know a little bit, I find out how much I don't, you know, and that's the whole point with the, even the paranormal work. You think you really understand things. Um, when I started writing the book, uh, you know, here two months ago, I was taking a lot of stuff I'd already written and kind of the idea was, oh, I'll do a quick and dirty 100 page book and I'll be in and out and I'll, I'll have it on Amazon and have it done by June. It's like <laughs> that chance <laughs> not working out right. for me. All. And I found out everything I thought about, I knew about EVP and the spirit world. Uh, I, I've been going through like a major revolution in my thinking. So, um, you know, I've got a lot of field experience, but, uh, a lot of the theoretical knowledge and the, the, uh, foundation of EVP and the history, I thought I knew pff, not even close to right. You know, so it's, yeah. uh, I actually I'm, think that this is episode 41, I think now, so. I'm getting the yeah, get the better. Yeah, I've yeah, 300. I did 300 and gosh, I think I did 318 or 319 shows on Blog Talk, and then I've got another, you know, 20 or 30, I think, on on Twitch so far. And uh, yeah, but you know, it, it, but I've worked out this pattern and it's working great. So, you know, um, but you know, my friend Kathy uh, Bradshaw, I think you probably heard of her. Uh, Kathy Bradshaw and uh, Blog Talk, she did 1,500 shows. I mean, you want to talk about, she was experienced. She, she died in 2015, but um, uh, they kept the show going too for a little while. But the terrible thing was that when she died, the account went inactive and Blog Talk purged all the shows. And so we've only saved a uh, portion of them. I'm trying to help get as many back as we can. Aww. But uh, yeah, they, they literally purged them. And so many of these shows go, uh, you know, with all this great EVP and paranormal guests and all that, that stuff goes by the wayside. And uh, the only thing I can recommend to other, uh, show hosts is archive your work because, uh, it's, it can go so quick. Uh, it'll be gone before you know it. And, uh, we've saved, I think about a hundred and some odd of, uh, Kathy's shows out of the 1500, you know, so ah, there's a huge, but she's, she actually came through on one of my uh, EVPs the other day, which I, I did not provide for you, but um, I was doing uh, some of my EVP work here in studio. We do weekly uh, um, EVP captures with uh, uh, something called Big Circle. And uh, the whole thing behind Big Circle is there was um, 
a real golden age of BBP going on where uh, a woman named Martha Copeland, who I've just actually made her acquaintance, and she's a she's a really big uh, figure in EVP history. Um, her daughter was killed in a car accident, and uh, she Aww. and the daughter began coming through for her cousin on a computer. And Martha found out about it and started getting into this very seriously and uh, started hanging out with Sarah Estep, and there was the rest was history. But um, the daughter said they were asking her basically through EVP. You know who are you working with on the other side? And she says, "Big Circle." And so what that ended up happening was um, uh, there was a big, big circle movement on this side of the veil, and uh, people began recording every, uh, I think, uh, first and third Thursdays at eight o'clock their local time, eight p.m. local time, and they would begin uh, three to five minutes of EVP recording, and. Uh, I've been doing that, but we've been doing it once a week. It just seems to work better. Although I missed last week for various reasons, but, um, but generally every week we record at the same time and the spirit world, if they see you're dedicated, they're going to start coming in and working with you. And, uh, but I, I think it was the second week I was doing big circle. I recorded and Kathy came through and she, uh, in her typical good humored voice, uh, I can't remember what, what it was she said, but she said something, to, uh, very humorous. I just can't remember what, I can't remember what it was, but, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was basically that she was encouraging me to keep recording and, uh, you know, and she was there. Um, if you can actually hear, uh, her talking on, uh, to her husband, because she was involved in EVP with all these mm. big hitters. Uh, if you go out on, uh, 1-800-heaven.org, uh, that's Deborah Caruso's old website, and Debbie Caruso was another uh, major EVP player, and uh, she had a lot of stuff. She, there's another site called Listen to Me, Listen to This for Me dot com, mm-hmm. and uh, she died in 2010 of cancer, and her websites went inactive, and I actually restored them, along with uh, Debbie. Uh, Debbie Wells helped me uh, get those sites back, and we. Good job, Dave. Thanks. Yeah, we, we, I'm hosting them out of my own pocket to uh, keep her memory alive. But, but there's uh, stuff that Kathy did with her husband who had passed in his, you know, he was in his fifties when he died of, I think a heart attack. And uh, uh, there's stuff of her doing work with him. So there's just this huge body of history, you know, that, uh, you know, I've been working with and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of stimulated me to write the book because I, I, I really thought, I really thought I knew EVP and thought I had something to say. And then I find out, wow, <laughs> there's so many people who have been ahead of me. It's like, I've got a few original ideas of my own and that I'm putting into the book, but my God, the stuff that, and if, and, and if you start talking to some of these people that, um, I'm, I'm a big believer in 80% of life is showing up <laughs> you know, and just to show up in these people's in. <laughs> They start talking to me and it's kind of funny. And, and then they start sharing stories, you know, Michael Esposito telling me stuff about, about EVP that I had no idea of anything about. And so that's, what's all going into the book is to try to kind of show these new lights on things that people never heard. Uh, but spirit world, I, I'll say this, you know, if there's any big lesson I picked up along the way, it's that the spirit world is um, trying very hard to get an, across to us that there is no death. Uh, that when we die, uh, all we are doing is just evacuating this vessel. It's like an old coat we take off 
and we go on to the next, you know, to the next phase of existence. And, uh, that's the true world. That's the true, uh, real other, you know, the other side is the real world. We're living in a, um, a facsimile world, you know, if you will. And, you know, we're all, we're playing with certain blinders and limitations, uh, that challenge us to develop parts of ourselves. And then we go back and see how we did. And there's no judgment other than us judging ourselves when we get there. And, uh, the ones that are there are trying to help us along. You know, they see us and they see us needing encouragement when we face our challenges. And, uh, that's the part to me that's beautiful about it because it's just this amazing support that goes on from that side. And there's a lot of love, you know, from that side. So, um, if anything, I mean, you heard in any of these voices, even the cantankerous ghost telling me, Get <laughs> you know, it's that, uh, you know, they're, the ones that stick around, uh, they either don't want to be judged or they don't want to face certain things they did, but they'll eventually have to, you know, and then, uh, and they'll, they'll be welcomed with open arms when they get there, you know? So there's just a lot of love, you know? And, uh, when you recognize that's the kind of the key constituent of the whole universe, you're kind of on the right track. So that's John Almada's two cents. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, Debbie said that she was saying, you are making me giggle. Oh, really? I guess so. She said was. Uh, oh yeah, it, it, oh she. I just you know I didn't realize she just was posting to me. Uh, she said a spirit just walked past the end of my bed. Wow, still listening. You're wrapping up. <laughs> spirit walked by. She's got an incredibly haunted home. Uh, uh, she told <laughs> me her two boys uh, are uh, uh, they have autism and uh, their two grandsons. And, uh, they are, uh, they are able to see spirits. Oh my God. The stuff that hangs out at that house. Let me tell you. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, actually, actually Debbie said that there's Kathy who said that you're making me giggle. Oh yeah. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Was, Kathy said that. That's right. Yeah. That's what she, she's making me giggle. And that's the part that just, <laughs> made me, because she would say stuff like that. She, she'd either say you're making me giggle or she'd say, uh, when I was, when I was being a, a bit of a smart aleck, she'd go, she'd go, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was from Virginia and you, uh, yeah, you talk to some old, old, old school Virginia people, bless your heart. You're being an idiot. That's what you're being. In the last way, bless your heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I, I don't know. I mean, it, there's so many ghosts all over, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, when I worked at Aerojet, I would have ghosts walk by, um, you know, in the workplace. I mean, I, I, I watched a shadow person once walk right through uh, a conference we were in the middle of, and everybody looked at my face because I, like, my mouth flew open. This shadow comes walking through in the middle of a 3 o'clock meeting on a Monday, you know, and I'm like, what the hell? I didn't <laughs> ask you, what's wrong? And I said, oh, I'm just having back trouble. <laughs> yeah, I just saw it. <laughs> friggin' giant shadow person go walking by me and freak me out. But you know, <laughs> yeah, I never have figured out shadow people. I don't get the shadow bit, but you know, yeah. some people are scared of them. Other, you know, me, the one that was in my house seemed friendly enough and it touched my hand. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but, uh, but you know, bottom line, the DVP, you know, going back to that, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just cool that they will leave these messages. I mean, you know, the drill, I mean, you've recorded thousands of them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, most of them are going to be these positive things to say, want just to know they're there, man. And they're watching. 
and they're watching you. They're watching you when you have your coffee and you're cursing. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, can't wait to get to our investigation in August. What, what investigation uh, are you going to be doing? Wouldn't that post town elementary school? Mm hmm. Um, that's uh, actually on my birthday. We're going. <laughs> I so have, we did a whole weekend there. So oh, that sounds like it's going to be good. You're going to live broadcast it or what? Uh, we'll probably chime in if we get out because it's his squad. And um, we did it already for last year. And that's where you got that ball video I showed you. Yeah. 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 We're looking forward to going back to it again. This time we're staying for a whole weekend. Yeah. I'm going to be uh, doing uh there's a, uh, an old haunted, uh, hotel that's down near Coloma that burned down, uh, back in 2015. Uh, it literally, uh, burned to the ground and there were lots of ghosts there. And I'd actually stayed there one night before. And, um, I'm thinking of going there and just leaving a, what I call a drop recorder. Um, mm. and it's basically, you just take a, uh, you can take a, a video camera or a, a, uh, uh, just standard audio recorder and weatherize it. Uh, I like to insulate them with styrofoam and then you just uh, spray paint it with camouflage colors, the styrofoam, and then you go stick it out in a place where it won't get wet and you just leave it, leave it there overnight and come back and get it the next day. And uh, um, I've gotten some amazing stuff with that. You don't have to be present to get AVP. I mean, you can just set a recorder up and any ghost goes walking by is going to set it off, you know, any spirit. Um, you know, there's, there's just countless ways to you know, get inventive with getting EVP. So, uh, but I've been that and gotten amazing stuff. I, I, although I did get fooled once, I thought I was getting a spirit touching things. And then I, uh, the I, deer. No, what it was, is <laughs> I, I, uh, I thought I was getting uh, spirit touching it. And I come back with, uh, a can, uh, video camera and put it facing the recorder and it was mice. <laughs> Oh boy. And I'm thinking, you know, I thought, oh man, the spirit's touching this. Oh man, this is so cool. And it was such a great, <laughs> like, oh, it was a bloody bunch of mice touching my recorder, just moving it around and batting it. Yeah, what's this red light? Let's go hit this recorder. We're gonna screw with him, you know. <laughs> I thought it was cool. That's funny. Yeah, it, it the um uh what are what are other techniques that uh, I've tried stuff that well there's actually one that I want to try um I, I discovered some old evidence of uh, it's not evidence per se yet but what it is is it's old recordings from underwater near Titanic and it turns out that um uh you know the Titanic site is incredibly haunted. And uh, a lot of people that pass by it report seeing balls of light, energy. They'll see orbs. They see all kinds of crazy things. And there's even been reports of uh, radio signals being heard broadcasting SOS, which uh, Titanic was the first ship to ever broadcast uh, traditional SOS. It used to be a different uh, uh, set of letters used for, you know, CQD, which was, you know, you basically come quick, come quick distress. And uh, they went with the SOS. And so Titanic was the first SOS ship ever, you know, to use that signal. And uh, there's people that have been reporting that, uh, hearing it on uh, various uh, above water ships and in submarines. 
And I don't know how much effort, you know, how much validity all that has. I mean, that's just stuff you hear, you know, uh, you got to really check this stuff out to make sure that that's exactly right. what's being said. Yeah. But um, what I do think is that it's very possible that you could get some great EVP from the site. Now, there was a um, gentleman back in the, uh, I think, 2010 timeframe. Uh, I did some some research into you know what it was going on with him uh he had a small paranormal team and they were they were trying to line up money to go out to do ebp at the site and it caused one heck of a stink um there were people see you know in the evp community saying that's insensitive and this and that and um uh they were going to lower a hydrophone over and take it basically down to the rec site uh, from the from the ship, and it was going to cost them like twenty thousand to have everybody there to do it, and they were going to bring mediums on board, and it was just a whole the whole thing was all planned out. Um, and I looked at that, and it's like the reaction was so so harsh from some of the media, you know, and some of the family members. I thought, wow, that's you know, it's been a hundred years, and there are phenomena going on out there. I would think that somebody coming in doing it in a sensitive way wouldn't be stirring up too much trouble, but, um, but, but I got looking and I found some, uh, videos that had, uh, been done by, uh, various government research submarines and, uh, some of the, uh, private funded expeditions that had full, uh, audio from inside the vehicle that was, you know, you know, all the way down at the wreck site. And so you have a perfect opportunity to go through and do, uh, EVP analysis on the existing audio. And which I tend to think that probably they'll have some good captures in there. I've never done it. You know, I mean, I, I, I made some notations about, you know, the evidence, but if somebody else wants to try it ahead of me, go for it. Cause you know, I'm trying to write a book, you know, but, but, uh, yeah, the bottom line is, uh, there's so much audio evidence from that, from that, uh, rec site that's already there that, uh, it would be good, a good idea for somebody to go through and, and run the analytics and see what they come up with. Um, uh, because I just, I just, think that there's going to be voices captured and uh, the ship is disintegrating as we speak i mean it should basically they're saying it's it's accelerated it's a death plunge into a pile of rust you know they're talking between 2030 and 2040 i think it's going to be basically uh, just a rust state and all that's going to be left are the glass and and uh, leather items and things like that that um will basically mark what's there, you know, as far as that ship being a graveyard, you know? Um, but there was so many people that died there that has got to left, have left a psychic imprint. And, uh, not only that, there are probably, uh, intelligent spirits hanging out in the area to even today, you know? So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, these wreck sites are, uh, you know, are very, uh, an open area for developing EVP technology, you know, with, uh, hydrophones. I've, I've always wondered how, if it was possible to really do that. And I've, I've, I thought I was being original and found out a lot of other people have been thinking along the same lines. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, y- it should be possible to do that with, um, um, uh, just off the shelf technology for, uh, simple things that, you know, where there's been accident scenes with uh, boats and things like that that people can, uh, you know, start looking at and see, can they pick up anything? Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, me with my bad back, I mean, you know how bad my back is. I can't go do I got bad back too. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I've got regenerative disc disease. I'm 62. Hell, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I can't <laughs> let some young buck figure that out. You know what I mean? But, uh, but you know, these, you know, pushing the technology, it, it really needs to be done. And uh, there's still new areas to explore with this stuff. And, uh, oh, yeah. But EVP has a bright future ahead of it if people just keep going with it and ignore the scientists because they don't really give a damn. Anyway, <laughs> they don't want to talk about this. Well, we'll just no. merrily away and keep producing the evidence until we have like an ocean. It's so deep that you can't ignore it anymore. But yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. It is weird. I see a cat coming out in the back. What's that? The cat behind Jack. <laughs> oh, that's my kitty Sheila. Oh, yeah. here. Hello. There's my little girl. Are you? Oh, you want? Well, I already fed you dinner, and I gave you yeah, a whole bunch yeah. of extra treats. Yeah. I give her treats in her dinner. She she started insisting that I give her the little uh, the little uh, uh, chicken flavored treats. So I mashed that in for her. Now she's just like she's the uh, queen. She's my little. She's a calico. Uh, called it the looted calico, and uh, I got her. I got her three years ago. She uh, was at the at the uh, shelter just as a little teeny kitten. She used to be just this little big thing. She fit in, fit in <laughs> and now she's just she runs the whole house. Are you looking at me? Are you looking? At me? Yeah, she licks her chops. Hey. Dad, I, I want treats. Dad, dad. <laughs> I want treats, Dad. Yeah, but she's an amazing cat. Oh man. Uh, what other what other things can we how much how long, how much longer do we have, my friend? I'm not even sure what happened. Um I think I allowed a three hour limit on one yeah. recording for my plan I have. Let's see. So, uh, what other stuff can I think of that we're I'm writing about? Um we covered this stuff with um well, you know, the, the whole bit with the different technology, uh, you know, the techniques of uh, doing EVP, uh, kind of just briefly return to that. You know, the whole bit when you go out and you're uh, trying to get be imaginative and come up with different th techniques. I, I was just watching, you know, paranormal shows. I won't name them. But um, they're, when you see some of the network TV shows and they're talking, you know, they, they do an EVP recording and they say, is there anybody there? Can you, <laughs> share with us? Can, you can you tell us your name? I mean, how are you going to look? Yeah. It's fishing. You're going out fishing, put a nice worm on the end of the hook and go put something juicy out there to get them in. You're, if you're going to go fishing, you got to bait the hook. You're not baiting the hook. Little piece of advice: just bait the hook. You know, uh, you know, talk in terms that they understand. Talk in terms of their lives. Talk in terms of knowing their history. Sometimes they try to do it, and you see that, but it's almost like a tired response. You know, I think some of these guys have been investigating so long they've they've never really taken the next step and remembered that these are people. <laughs> you know, right. you got to talk in terms of people, and uh, you know, and once you start talking to them you know, from that point of view and you're talking with them and, and not at them um, and including them in the conversation, you know, and treating them like they're, they matter. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna open the door. And I think that's, um, that's had a lot <clears throat> to do with me being able to get the kind of EVPs I do, but I was doing mediumship before I was doing any of this other work. And um, 
I don't know how much of that factors into getting good EVP, but I've had my theory that there's some evidence of that, that I think that there's some part of that that does help with it. But I don't think that it means that, yeah, if you're not a medium, you can't get good EVP. I think that All right. you develop a, but I do, I, I've been, I was writing about that today. I, I was writing uh, before you, you know, coming on here um, that you can develop a relationship with your spirit guides on the other side and really make that thing shine and really get to know your spirit guide. Your, if you want to call them your, your guardian angel, that's another terminology for something that is almost the same. Um, if you can develop that, you're basically developing a relationship with the other side. That's like a near constant presence with you. And that lights you up even more. And you become kind of like this flame that these spirits are attracted to. And, um, you know, it just, it just really brings in the results, you know? So I, I hope that people, uh, you know, kind of take that seriously, uh, going in without a spiritual basis for communication. Yeah. You'll get the EVPs. You might get 10, but I would walk in, you know, in these cases and you know, and have investigators who I knew were doing no spiritual work at all. And they'd get maybe one or two good EVP and I'd walk out with 30. You know, so, you know, I, I and I'm and I'm not bragging. That's not bragging. That's just I'm putting the work in. You know, right. uh, you know. I mean, if you're gonna play, if you're gonna play tennis, you know, uh, that takes practice. You know, and you're working your butt off to to learn how to do that stuff. And um, this work takes practice. And there's no pay in this. I mean, really, I'm not gonna make a lot of money off this book. I'm writing this mostly to help my thinking. And then if other people read it and uh, agree with it or throw rocks at me and say, you need to change your thinking, I'll, I'll look at it and go, hmm, I was successful. Maybe I should consider these other opinions. And that's kind of the point of it. But you're really developing yourself when you go out and do this work. And um, I, mean, you've, I think it's the same with you. You've got this basic interest. You've never wavered. You've kept going, you know, Scott, you know, through all your life challenges, you keep going with this work and you keep, making, uh, you keep trying to do new things. And that's, you know, that's commendable. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, so yeah that's what I saw you going. And what else going to do? I mean, I can't sit here and fret about it. So I got to go out and do things. Yeah. So. Well, you know, we're just a couple old guys now, cripples. <laughs> we're still getting out there and doing this work, you know, and that's the important thing. You know, I just still doing my work with Shepard. <laughs> to move slower here, but yeah, I can get this done. But, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just, um, I really, I think we've learned enough, both of us, to have some things to say about it, you know, and that's kind of the, my point in the book is just, yeah, I picked up a couple of things along the way. I hope it's useful for you, you know, and uh, pay it forward by, you know, when you get to a certain age and, and you've been doing this same kind of work, if you really uh, care about it that much, you know, pay it forward by uh, sharing what you've learned and maybe you'll say some new things along the way. Because who knows where ABP is going to go? I mean, in ITC work, um, you know, the ITC stuff, I'm really starting to show an interest in because it's a two-way communication that's real time. You know, this whole bit with the, uh, you know, uh, uh, radios that, you know, that change frequency, you know, the sweet method with EVP. Uh, it's not even EVP. It's, uh, it's ITC. It's, it's a uh, sweep, you know, they're sweeping the radio frequencies either in a sequential fashion or sometimes even random frequency. And, uh, and it's still, you know, spirit still is able to make these things, uh, 
be useful as, as a means of leaving EVP as, as words. And that some uh, scientists call it pareidolia. Pareidolia. You know, I, I can never say this word. But uh, they're saying it's pareidolia and it's we're being tricked and that we're just deluding ourselves. And, um, and there could be some truth to some of that EVP, you know, some of the EVPs we get. But when they're saying specific things in response to you, you know, that kind of shoots that right in the, you know, right in the tail. Um, there's intelligent responses that are occurring irregardless of the type of technology or methodology we use. Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, but I think that where this goes from here, um, I think we're going to see it lean more to, to uh, devices that are better at uh, ITC, at two-way communication. And uh, hopefully it gets to a point where we can, uh, you know, get, get class A quite a bit of the time. And uh, I think that will, that will occur, but um, uh, you know, it's taken a long time to get to the place where we're at. You know, we're, uh, I mean, you go back and you look at what uh, Edison was doing, uh, trying to create the tech, you know, the Thomas Edison communicator, uh, they were limited by the technology of the day and look at what we have now. You know, I mean, EVPs are being picked up on uh, telephone recorders, uh, cell phones. Oh, yeah. Cell phones, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I saw when I was there at, in uh, uh, near Fresno at the, at the uh, Wolf Manor there at Clovis, um, I think it was Amy Bruni. She was working with uh, one of those telephone t uh, line testers they called a, a, a toner. And I, I used to use that in my data uh, when I was punching down data lines when I was working as a computer operator. Part of my job was punching down t uh, telephone lines and data lines. And so I got really good at that. And I had a toner. And it's just basically a little radio oscillator with a probe. And you put it on one end of a line and clip it in. And then you go to the other end and for the <laughs> line you're tracing. And then you use that and you clip it in at the other end. And uh, it, that's all old hat now. There's hardly anybody doing it way anymore it's all late you know uh fiber optic but back in the day that's how you did it and uh the toner uh, at the other end had just a little radio receiver with a little probe and you just put the probe on and you would probe until you found the line that had the, the hot signal and uh she was taking that toner little radio receiver and she was getting evp off of it which was wow. this <laughs> i mean it it on the surface, it sounds like, oh, my God, how did she think of that? It's just a little radio receiver that's just really kind of dumbed down. Uh, but but the bottom line is the spirit world doesn't care how they get a message to us. They just want to get a message to us. And, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but even the whole notion of why EVP form in the first, first place, I mean, that's part of some of the other stuff that I've been looking at. And um, uh, I came to this conclusion that there's two types. You know, there's there's this whole notion of, um, incidental EVP where it's, and I call it proximity EVP and it's where, uh, you come, you know, a spirit will be, uh, responding maybe to something you said, and they'll be near you in a literally in a three dimensional sense, although they may exist in a different dimensional world, but in our three dimensional world, they may be quote near us and they're near the recorder. And, uh, without any intent other than just them speaking out loud because they're in proximity to the recorder, they affect the, the input stage on the electronics of the recorder and not the microphone, but the audio input stages of the recorder just by their presence, they are having EVP form on the recorder. 
and it's an unconscious thing on their part. That's one way. Uh, the yeah. other that um, EVP can form as a form of directed or intentional EVP, which is they have the ability to select a recorder and say, I'm going to leave you a message here. And we never know quite what that's going to be. Uh, you know, the type of, the type of method they're using, is it going to be incidental, you know, proximity EVP, or is it going to be intentional? And, um, and it may be that those definitions are going to get thrown out down the road, but that's kind of what I came up with on my own because I couldn't find anything, anybody talking about that. Um, All right. Stuff. There's some stuff AA EVP did, and Tom Butler, who runs a, uh, a Trans C, which is what AA EVP became, um, he talks a lot, but he's like an electrical engineer. And um, if you talk to electric, electrical engineers enough, you know, they, they speak a different language. <laughs> And I'm a, I'm just this ordinary uh, you know uh, technical guy who tries to speak in plain English to people. So I'm looking at it, uh, you know, let's explain it to the mass audience kind of point of view, and, and without dumbing it down, but say it say it like you mean it kind of thing. And uh, Tom is is good with the theoretical knowledge, and he is extremely knowledgeable. I mean, I, I refer to his site all the time. Um, amazing fellow, but. He speaks a different way, <laughs> and uh, but I I believe though that uh, they that a lot of EVP they're not even int intending to talk to us because there's some that um, that you'll do a recording and I'm sure you've got EVP like this where you recorded it and it's a couple of two or three or four spirits talking among themselves with no intention of saying anything to you and you're picking it up. Yeah. I mean you got <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, if you got that, then that's pretty supportive. There's some kind of mechanism going on that's unintentional. They, it wasn't like one of them reached out and said, I'm going to include them in on the party line. It's more like, you know, they were just in the proximity and the recorder picked it up just because it could. And, uh, you know, and that's just a, a byproduct of their proximity to the machine. Um, still doesn't explain this whole thing with the, uh, you know, two recorders side by side. And, uh, right. EVP only gets to one of them. And it shows up in a different place on another, if right. it because that's another weird aspect of their universe. You know, um, I, I really, you know, the thing that I keep hearing from the mediumship communities and from um, uh, people who are doing, um, you know, a lot of work with EVP and ITC is that time is different on their side. It's a completely different set of rules uh, when they're over there, and they really have to struggle to especially since they were human, they got, they remember the old system and they're suddenly back in this new original world they were from. And they've got to kind of make the juxta juxtaposition, you know, that they're dealing with these two different realities. So I think it's really hard on them too. You know, they have to struggle and they have to come down to uh, uh, kind of lower their vibration to get to us, you know, and uh, who knows, you know, I, I mean, it's going to be fun when I get to the other side and I can finally go, Tell me all the stuff that I got right. <laughs> I got wrong. How much of it was I screwed up on, man? <laughs> I would love to know that, you know, because I know they're probably laughing through their their backside right now, going, "Oh, he's so screwed up. Ain't isn't he cute? Isn't he cute? Yeah. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> you don't know that. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know. But it it it's um, 
the mechanism by which they do the recording is just is intensely interesting how they do it and uh i don't i just i, I when i i look at the scientific community uh their lack of recognition of this you know that we're getting it on these these devices is just astounding to me because if we're getting it with consumer grade recorders imagine what happens when you get um uh, a bunch of really first-rate minds together in a room with uh, a good budget a good r&d budget that could really do the uh, the right kind of science on this because uh, you could really take it to the next level uh, but i will say something that happened to me with my father because I was having this discussion with him uh, about six months before his massive stroke. And we were talking in 2006 and we, he was poking fun again at the paranormal work I was really looking into doing. And I said, well, what do you think? You know, I mean, uh, do you think this stuff is real or not? And he goes, Oh, we know it's real. And he just right off the cuff, he says this, and here he is, Mr. Rocket scientist, you know, he, <laughs> He does let, you know, my father, just a quick sideline here. My father designed the service module main engine nozzle and combustion chamber on the, the Apollo service module main engine. It was the AJ-10-137 engine. I mean, this guy's no dummy. Um, but he worked on a lot of different kinds of programs. And, uh, and he just says this thing to me, though, and says to me, uh, you know, that, oh, yeah, we know all about this stuff. And I go, well, what do you know? And he says, oh, it's all real. And, uh, uh, we developed all the technology. I, I was part of a project that did that. We worked out a lot of how the whole system works. We did blah, 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 blah. And he's going on and on. And all of a sudden he gets this, suddenly realizes he just opened up about the wrong thing to the wrong guy. <laughs> and I looked at my, my mouth is open and he goes, he goes, you didn't hear any of that. And I said, would you just, what? you just tangled it. Yeah. You just dangled a damn whale in front of me on the end of the hook. You're telling me that I'm supposed to sit there, that it's all bullshit. <laughs> and he just went, he just zipped his lip up and says, I got to go. And he just walks out of the room. And I'm like, holy. Yeah. God. He was treating human beings sometimes. But uh, I asked my mother about it later because uh, she says, yeah, yeah, he worked on that. He told me a little bit about it. And I says, he wasn't pulling my leg. And she goes, no. And I said, wow. So they, 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 the powers that be know all about this stuff. You know, they just don't want the public talking about it for various reasons, but, but, um, you know, it, it's clear there has been R and D work that's been done. They know quite a bit about it. Um, if you take a look at, uh, Harry Potter, you know, the Harry Potter movies, um, there's a lot said in there that's actually quite true. Uh, and, this whole notion of the other world and being discovered and, and, uh, the things that can kind of, you know, the rules of how things work there and, you know, magic and all of that. Um, it's not far off the mark. You know, there's a lot that that's, that's basically correct there. And, um, you know, I wouldn't call it, you know, a quote, a wizarding world, but the notions of, of what we would define as quote magic and the, and the, alternate realities and how things work on the other side. Um, remember the scene, I think I can't remember which episode of or which uh, book it was from, but in one of the movies they showed uh, Harry and uh, everybody going into a tent, the Weasleys and they had this tent and it was like small on the outside. You go in and it's palatial estate inside mm -hmm. you know? and Star Trek does this too. They have a, a whole uh, section with a spacecraft that's inside, uh, you know, the enterprise D 
that they've pulled into the shuttle bay and they go in and there's a, there's a uh, hatch inside this little small spaceship and they go in and it's this long hatch going down way farther than, than there possibly could be any, you know, the ship could ever be. And yet it's there, it's this giant room inside and there's, there's all these different rooms and, and it's, you know, a lot of people call it hyperspace, you know, and they talk mm-hmm. about these hyperdimensional realities that have this, these seemingly three-dimensional quandaries we can't wrap our minds around. And that's a property of their universe. So um, a lot of what movies tell us are basically uh, the powers that be are basically letting us know these realities do exist. Yeah, but uh, they're basically couching it in terms we understand and kind of talking down at us, you know, like you don't know anything. You guys. We're just going <laughs> to believe, you know, believe it's, it's all. Just, just wait to get here. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's like the whole question of warp drive. You know, uh, if you do any any level of research, you're going to find that the there's uh, Alcubierre. I think it's uh, the Alcubierre warp drive is a reality. There's actually been a lot of work done on that, and uh, the power requirements have been scaled down so that um, it's at a point where we're pretty darn close to being able to actually be a warp capable civilization. That warp is nearly here. Um, you know, the whole notion of chemical propulsion is so antiquated. It's funny. It's, it's kind of like the whole notion of, of, uh, electrical systems that we use, um, are, is ridiculous because a lot of what Nikola Tesla was working on, uh, with regard to power systems are light years ahead of anything that we have even now. Uh, he was working with uh, technology that he developed back in the, uh, late 1800s. You know, he got done with AC, developing AC power technology, realized that he found this new, whole new section of technology that no one had noticed before and developed it. And he ended up ticking off the uh, powers that be because they didn't like that. They wanted it for themselves. But, uh, you know, the rest of us were all going to be stuck with this technology called alternating current technology. They could stick a a meter on and bill us for, you know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you if you want to uh, look for a rare book uh, that's really hard to find, uh, but there's PDF copies available. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, uh, it was uh, something like Hidden Technologies of the Cold War, uh, and I can't remember the uh, the author, but he basically writes about uh, a lot of the things that we're running into today with energy shortages and. Uh, why things are the way they are and what actually happened with Nikola Tesla, the real hidden history. When you find out about what he really got into and the war with, uh, uh, Marconi, uh, everybody that hears the name Marconi thinks father of radio. Well, uh, Marconi was not the father of radio. Marconi was a, a very, um, uh, he was very capable of copying other people's designs and then, uh, saying that, you know, making a few changes and saying, this is my design. And uh, he uh, literally had a court proceeding to have himself declared the father of radio, <laughs> which Nicholas Tesla showed up at and said, excuse me, I was doing this work far ahead of Marconi. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Hello. and, uh, <laughs> he, and Tesla was so far ahead that he had done uh, radio ahead of everybody. Um, he was working with what was basically called radionic energy. And, uh, and he had developed uh uh, this to a really fine degree and it caused a big stink because they, they couldn't figure out how he was trying to work it to give the energy freely away to the entire human race. 
And uh, there were those who wanted to profit from it that didn't want that out there and their view prevailed. But there's a reason why all of you know Tesla's papers were grabbed uh, at the time he uh, died. I mean, the FBI descended on that that hotel he was in and grabbed every bit of paper and you know, you know, cause he didn't have any family. I think that was the end of that. They grabbed it all. And, uh, but you know, this guy was so far ahead of his time. He was, he was, a. I think he was a bit ahead of Einstein, you know, in his level of, uh, technical skill, wow. and his ability to abstract. Uh, he said that he could see designs in his head, um, and work it all out inside of his mind and didn't really need to record it because he could build it just from straight from his memory. He was that good. So you're wow. dealing, but he was, uh, he was working right about the same time. He was having some really strange experiences with voices that were coming through on his equipment, you know, speaking of EVP and, uh, he was recording some things that were amazing. And, and I, I actually have some, uh, stuff on this in the book that I'm talking about with uh, links to the, uh, that you can actually build your own diver- versions of his devices. And here's some of this same stuff for yourself and decide for yourself, you know? So, uh, you know, I'm trying to pass on this information to say, you know, you, you might want to take a listen to some of this. It's kind of strange stuff. And, um, yeah, it, but he was saying he was getting definite voices and some were actually communicating to him. And, uh, so, yeah. Uh, him and Edison were both right about the same time in history. They were the two brightest minds of their day that these intelligences were picking to try to kind of kickstart the whole communication between the realms kind of thing. And uh, they go where the uh, the minds are that are open to their input. And uh, you tracing this history has just been something to see because, um, you know, there was guys uh, like uh, – Attila von Zazale and uh, Raymond Bayless were a couple that were guys that were working on this stuff in Los Angeles in the 1950s. And they started getting, uh, you know, really good EVP uh, results in their, in their work in this laboratory. And they published it in a uh, little known journal of uh, parapsychology research. And they were the first to really document real EVP. And uh, then you, uh, uh, there was this other guy named uh, Jurgensen, Friedrich Jurgensen. He was—he's the guy everybody says recorded EVP first. No, he was—he was just one in a line of many uh, as the other side was developing this all for us to uh, start learning from. And um, and what ended up happening was, uh, you know, he was recording voices in the forest. Of uh, he was trying to record uh, bird songs, and he ends up recording voices. Uh, including one that uh, from his mother saying his uh, pet name for her. <laughs> and so he completely, you know, he was a well-known artist and, uh, you know, and, and very well known in the European uh, royalty community and people of any import, you know, knew who he was and he switched it all around and went into uh, recording the voices. And then he gave press conferences, uh, but he didn't have the scientific background. And, uh, he ended up uh, writing a book, though, about it, and it ended up being uh, noticed by uh, a, a Latvian scientist who is uh, named uh, Constantine Rodive. And him and his wife, his wife was a very well-known writer. And so uh, he got into it, and it opened up everything. And that's how EVP really you know, came to be, was Constantine Rodive was doing the work. And uh, 
and him and uh, uh, Jurgensen worked together for a time, and then they had some disagreements, and they kind of split off and went their separate ways. And uh, but it was uh, Rod Ive who wrote uh, wrote a book called Breakthrough, and what that book did. Uh, it really set the whole establishment on fire in uh, Germany. And there was a um, interest in translating it to English. And uh, he went to a, a small recording house or, not, or publishing uh, a firm. It was actually a guy that, that was at in Germany. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Uh, Smythe, Colin Smythe, uh, who's still alive to this day. I've actually just written him a letter trying to get some information from him. But Colin Smythe was at this uh, at this uh, book fair, and here comes Constantine Rodive and saying, "You want to publish my book?" And he gets looking at it and started reading it, and uh, then decided to, to to publish it in English in uh, in London, England. And uh, the 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 vice no, who was it? The deputy prime minister stepped in and said, "You will not publish this book." And caused a big stink and said, if you're going to publish it, you have to run it through the science community and recording community here, to prove it's genuine. Uh, you know, and you, you want to talk about censorship? And it ended up, um, it ended up that uh, they brought in the best engineers that they could possibly do. You know, I think a, an outfit called Pi Records comes to mind. You know, I've got this all written down, so I'm reciting from memory. Um, but it ended up they did these they brought in all these experts they brought rod ive in and wouldn't let him touch any of the equipment he was only there just to stand there and they started getting voices and they recorded almost all night and they and there were relatives of some of the people that were present coming through wow. it was uh it was just an amazing thing and that you know at that point that's when uh all these different uh, very influential people said told you know, prime, uh, deputy prime minister, you know, basically can it because this stuff is real. So, you know, you, you looking at the modern scientific re, uh, response to EVP, you know, especially like Wikipedia saying it's all pseudoscience. You know, you had the, the cream of the crop of the British scientific industry there and the recording industries there. Uh, you know, they were all there. Uh, are you saying that they had pareidolia too, that they didn't know what they were hearing? Are you saying that right. these scientists were all wrong? So it's, you know, there's intentional blindness here going on with the, the, all these phenomena. And uh, uh, just my, my, I think my take on it is uh, you got to decide for yourself. You can't go depending on uh, the approval of the system to tell you what to believe you have to look at it for yourself and judge it on your own merit and you know pa pass it through your own sieve and your own filters and if you can uh if you can look at things objectively with with things like this and uh try it for yourself and satisfy yourself that it's real then you don't need to be told what to think by uh the powers that be because uh you've seen it for yourself and that's the, the message of the spirit world. That's the thing that I've always taken from this, you know, researching it and really seeing the history from the stem to the stern, uh, you know, uh, watching it come from, you know, wax or quarters all the way to the current day. Wow. Um, yeah. Know, I got to tip my hat to these guys. I mean, whoever's on the other side's working this is they're one patient bunch of people. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, I know I'm going on and on, but you asked me on, so I had to tell you this story. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I mean, what do you think of that? I mean, hearing that history. In well, life. I think same thing of you, though. I mean, it, you have to get there and do it yourself, and it's still a year to find out is we would do it. So. You know, I, when I first started, you know, I, I started, you know, I was seeing spirits. I was having experiences with them. And when I, I'm going to be honest, when I saw ghost hunters for the first time, I was like enthralled. Then I realized they're using cheap recorders. There's no way this can work. Yeah. I just thought this is all BS. Just like my father did. And I thought, I'm just going to prove it wrong. I'll, I'll go spend 60 bucks on a recorder. <laughs> then I go out and I do a few expeditions and I, I end up with, you know, the little boy voice and I end up with, the, yeah. uh, William Palmer's voice. And I'm like, holy crap, this stuff is real. You know, and even though I knew spirits were real, I mean, I just didn't think that they could affect our electronics so easily, but they do. Yeah. You know, the, wow. That's the only thing I could say. Wow. <laughs> there's a lot of them out there. I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah. Um, I can't wait, can't wait to get back out there again. So, you know, something you should try a, a little experiment for, uh, a seasoned investigator like yourself, try a supermarket. Go out with it. Oh, I heard, yeah, I heard about that. And a lot of people say also for hospitals too. Yeah. Um, I've got, a, I've got a hospital one that, uh, I played. Um, I don't know if I can, yeah, maybe we can play this. I, I'm going to see if I can find that real quick. It's on the ghost writers investigation site. Um, it's basically it's we guide them to the light. Uh, I was in the hospital room with my father after he had a, a real problem with a. Uh, uh, he'd had uh, stone. They were basically these uh, kidney stones he was having trouble with, and he'd had his stroke. So you know he was he'd been going through a real tough time, and uh, I'm trying to find this. Let me see if I can find it on the. Uh, a local site. I can search on that a little better. I got him on my web server, local web server. So for it. Um, what it was though, was I, I, you know, I was sitting there, I'd been on an investigation and, uh, a couple of days before, and I was in the hospital room with him and he was, uh, just coming to, and, uh, I had my, rec I reach in my pocket. I've got a recorder and I'm going, Oh, I'm in, I'm in here with my father. What the heck? Um, um, let me see if I can find it. I, I did this recording and I get this, uh, I get this, uh, voice. That's just amazing. I'm still trying to find it. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, God, I hate to, I hate to not have it for you, but it, um, it ended up, I am not spotting it. I'll just paraphrase it for you, but it's this, um, what ended up happening was I was sitting there and I, I start recording and this, this sound like a trumpet happens as I'm recording. Wow. And what it was, was, uh, I've, I finally realized it was me moving the chair and it sounded oh. like a trumpet. Well, I don't know if it stimulated something in the environment or what, but what ended up happening was, um, just amazing. It ended up with, um, uh, this voice comes on and says, we guide them to the light. 
And I mean, it's like, just sounds just like that. We guide them to the light. And it was just this very proud moment, like the spirit was saying this stuff. And then all these other spirits start coming in too, you know, in the recording. It's just an amazing, you know, piece of work. Um, I've, it just blew me away. You know, there, I did not realize there were that many spirits in hospitals, but, uh, ghost, you know, ghost, uh, whisperer got it right. I mean, hospitals are chock of luck full. I mean, have you recorded in a hospital? No, I have. I heard feel, I heard some, I saw some YouTube videos a couple of years back on that. Yeah. I'm just but, trying to find that. It's like, a guide them. I'm trying to find if I can find this for you because it's just too good to, uh, it's just too good to, uh, to miss. This was from, uh, do, do it with your roster and guide them to the light. I mean, I, I'm trying to find this now that I, here it is. I am going to send this to you. Let me get okay. it. I found it on the local site. I had to remember. Yep, it's there. So I'm going to throw this on Facebook for you. And you should see it. Mm-hmm. It's called Hospital Angel Guides. And right. this happened May 2nd of 09. And uh, I kind of told the whole story there with my dad's seizures and stuff. Actually, it was, I guide them to the peace. I always, I always confuse it with that. I guide them to the peace. And I've got the full. So if you want to play it, there's also some other EVPs from that same set down below. If you want to play some of these, I'm, I'm willing to go through those with you. Okay. But you'll be like, you'll be looking at me going, how the hell did you get all this? <laughs> Tried it out. 80% of life is showing up. That's my big role. <laughs> Here we go. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that cool? I mean, if you scroll down, there's some more, and uh, you'll be like, okay, so next one is this well played. Wow. This. this way I'll play. <laughs> she sounds just like that woman in the poltergeist. Yeah. This house is clean. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that yeah. Again, too good. I mean, the way she's so, she's so proud of herself. <laughs> uh, next one is you hear me. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty clear. Yeah, you hear me. That was yeah. easy. Easy to hear that one. Uh, next one, we love it here. We'll come in here. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Did you go to the hospital? Yeah, it was in my dad's hospital room. It was the spookiest thing ever. I mean, I, I mean, when I got home and I, I started realizing what I had, I was like, holy, you know, how many of these did I get? But the, the, I think the one with that male voice coming in, but th these are some of the few female voices because that's definitely female. Speaking. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. 
Um, next one, Green Joker. Have no idea why this would say this, but I think it. There was a surgeon that had come in, and he was still wearing scrubs. And oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and I think that's what it was. I think you know, oh, he's a Green Joker. Yeah. And yeah, you notice the uh, melodic voices they have. I mean, that's the thing that EVP have that I've never figured oh, out. It's, it's like they yeah. yeah, you've heard yeah. that. Oh yeah. We yeah. get that a lot, yeah. Yeah, I've never understood it. Yeah, why they are the way they are. Oh, there's even another one. Oh, here's a lot. I'm going crazy. Okay, hey, here. I love it. This is good. <laughs> I'm going crazy. That's I'm a good one. Crazy. <laughs> it's that same woman. It's the one that, you know, it's that same woman that keeps showing up. Uh, throughout that whole uh, experience. I mean, it starts with the... Wow. the so, I, you know, there's these different spirits that are hanging around. Um, and I, I keep wondering if that one with the light, I think that that might have been one of the angels of death that hangs around hospitals because um, if you talk to enough <clears throat> nurses, I, I, I when I, I was dealing with my dad's seizures, uh, so often when they, and the nurses, we would eventually, it would come up about my work. And then these nurses would start telling me stories of stuff they'd seen. And they were all talking about the angel of death coming in and uh, experiences they'd had with him. And uh, what was funny was the, the night my dad died, uh, it was uh, February 28th of uh, 2012. And uh, he was, uh, you know, we were with him and it was about one in the morning and uh, I just happened to stand up and uh, I looked out the door and here goes this six foot tall black figure in a cloak. And my knees literally, I mean, my knees started to buckle. I just started to, I actually almost went down and a nurse was in there with me. She grabbed me and she said, what did you see? And I told her and she says, that's the angel of death. And she says, you're coming with me to, we're going to put you down in a room. You've had enough. You've done plenty because I had made all the decisions um, about pulling the meds and all the things for my father and basically letting him cross. And um, it was just too much for me. You know, I'd hit, I basically was at the end of my tether and um, but seeing that, seeing that thing, <laughs> you know, uh, coming up for your father. I mean, uh, it just, it just gets you right here. You know, I, yeah. it's just, it's rough, you know, but um, that's what I think that that voice was we played of the, you know, we guide them to the peace. Um, and I don't have any, you know, I don't, I don't fear it. I don't fear death, but that guy, when you see him for yourself in person for the first time, uh, it, it would spook anybody, you know, <laughs> I, th I just tend to think so. So yeah, it, it would, um, it would definitely, um, uh, I just think anybody, you know, first time you see it nobody's prepared for that so i'll just leave it at that but but it, i do think that um there's you know i've studied some of the the cases where death has been talked about and people citing him and uh he turns out to be a fairly benevolent figure and you know the 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 movie uh meet joe black you know <laughs> yeah 
Uh, I think it's more accurate than not. You know, I, I think he's a, I think he's a sad, interesting fellow, but he's also got a, a humorous side. And, uh, you know, there's been people that, uh, I was just reading something yesterday, uh, talking about death and, uh, a near death experience. And this person re- said death came up and touched, touched him on the foot and he instantly was at peace and he was very grateful to death for, for getting him out of this really bad physical thing he was in. But he got, the gentleman got to the other side and his guides all came to him and said, you're not done yet. We got to send you back, you know, sorry. Uh, you got more work to do and uh, you know, you can stay if you want, but we really recommend you go back and you're going to, and here's the thing is, you know, it's really going to suck when you go back. <laughs> and, 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 but the, the way he wrote about death was kind of, you know, the, um, the basic, you know, uh, theme I keep seeing in NDE research, you know, with, with, uh, death being this, uh, really a nice angel. It's an, it's a very nice spirit. And it's that, you know, when you see ghost whisperer, you know, the whole thing with the bees, you know, and, and the, play the intro every time. And there's that, all those bees, that's the sting, mm-hmm. you know, the sting of death. Well, you know, all those symbols in there have so much meaning. And if you, if you go, uh, I recommend you go research some of that, you know, from ghost whisperer and look at the symbols they use and everything has a meaning. You know, nothing was done in that show without meaning that had, didn't have a tie into things that were re- real. Like, um, you know, even the Pentheus search engine, uh, I just happened to re- check this out yesterday and it turns out the name Pentheus goes back to, um, uh, some of the Greek, uh, gods, Pen- uh, Penthes was one of the gods who got to the party late and, uh, you know, when they were handing out all the powers of the gods and Penthes was handed, uh, basically this, um, all the sorrows and the troubles and the, uh, the hard, hard feelings that go along with death. And that's what, that's what Penthes was, uh, about the God of, and I'm paraphrasing this. So somebody will shoot me with, you know, who's, in <laughs> but the, but I'm getting, you're getting the gist of it, but they, you know, every time you saw the Penthes search engine, that's what that was about. And it was all, it had to do with death. So everything in, in the Ghost Whisperer uh, franchise was uh, really well done and accurate. Um, Marianne Winkowski, you know, the author, um, you know, she was, she's an author. It talked a lot about her involvement with that. She actually was the, in, the impetus behind the whole Ghost Whisperer series because she sees spirits and does a lot of, you know, even. Yeah, actually, you're talking about that. I just, uh, I was just saying her last week about coming on show. Yeah. So she's a really, she, she, uh, you know, you can read her book. I'm trying to remember what it is, but you, if you just look at Marianne Wachowski, she's got a bunch of them, but you could read the initial book she wrote and it talks about all the stuff that happened. And, you know, um, she talked about her first ghosts with a guy named John Gray, uh, who was the producer of the series and kind of was the impetus by creating it. And they brought her in as the technical consultant and oh my God, the stories, I mean, you read, you know, but, um, but you know, their, their portrayal of all the, the different things that happen on that series are, are so accurate in so many yeah. cases. I'll, uh, I'll I actually have that show on DVD. <laughs> I do too. Uh, yeah. Cause it's, it's not always on and it's, it's good to, you know, yeah. To, yeah. to, to look at that. But, um, the, uh, the stuff that, you know, there was like the, uh, the first two ghosts they had where she was in the pilot episode where they were at the coffee shop and there were these, 
there was this one ghost, you know, mother that was trying to get her son to hook up with every available female in the place, you know, and there was another one that was speaking Spanish to his son who was a barista in there. And, he, you know, the son was not hearing anything and the guy's yelling at his son. And, and, uh, you know, Melinda Gordon is saying, oh yeah, there's a couple right here right now, you know, and she's ta- you know, talking to uh, uh, her friend who's with her about it. And it, and it turns out that's all based on a reality that John Gray was sitting with Marianne in this this uh, Starbucks, and these two ghosts were out there doing all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, I see it all the time. It's it's like old hat to them, but uh, yeah. So they're everywhere, you know. But uh, the thing with death, though, um, I think the the first three or four years of the show, they were really playing well to that all that, and then they kind of went off the whole thing with the book of changes at the end and all of that stuff, right? But I would love to see that show come back because it's been long enough. They would, it would be neat to see a reunion type thing. And then they, you know, what's happened in Grandview ever since, you know, right. so many of the cases have, uh, are based on real, uh, paranormal events, real ghost stories, um, things that really happened. Um, I just, I just have always loved it, you know, so it's, it's a, to me, it, it uh, people should not take it as being uh, so much, uh, you know, fakes or, or uh, fictional stories. It's, it's stuff based on a lot of good research and uh, development, you know, that uh, has been basically brought to people. So they understand the reality of it and the whole treatment of death, you know, himself. I mean, uh, um, the way that he's portrayed in every single episode opening is just, I think really excellent. So, yeah, but seeing him for yourself, freaks me out okay <laughs> i get that bug eye thing going on you know? bet, yeah he was coming for my father <laughs> <Thank Good>. you. <laughs> but my father i still got the last laugh though because he crossed over then he was perfectly fine then he had to acknowledge to me <laughs> there is another yeah. side you were right john he couldn't say those words could he when he was alive <laughs> yeah yeah that's right <laughs> i don't know but it uh uh, there's another one that I will recommend to everybody that uh, you can actually get free copies of her. Uh, some of her books is uh, Dion Fortune. And uh, she was an early uh, 20th century writer who uh, was connected to the Society for Inner Light uh, based out of the UK. And uh, she, she was well connected with a lot of really interesting people Um and she wrote, <clears throat> she wrote paranormal stories that were based on a lot of the uh, 19th and early 20th century you know, metaphysics of the day. And uh, there's one called the, the Strange Case of uh, Dr. Taverner, I think it is. I, I, I'm probably paraphrasing this, but if you look for Dr. Taverner, T-A-V-E-R-N-E-R, Dr. Taverner. And Dion Fortune, it's D-I-O-N Fortune, just like Fortune Cookie. Yeah. Uh, you you will find, um, and you can find PDF copies of the, this book for free from, uh, you know, various places. Uh, and and they sell it, of course, on Amazon. You you know, as a Kindle thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you read some of it, you know sh- that book is basically the story of her life, in conjunction with a her teacher who was a doctor and a very well-connected person in the uh, uh, various fraternities, you know, occult fraternities. And she was, she was taught psychic protection 
and she was taught all kinds of different things that were um, uh, just amazing. And she participated in these cases in this guy's hospital. Uh, the British medical establishment of the day could not deal with some of the uh, these strange medical cases, and they would hear of this guy's uh, hospital. He ran a private hospital in, uh, in uh, I think it was in near Scotland. And so they would send in these cases, and uh, more often than not, they were not organic cases. They were psychological or psychic cases with uh, spirit manifestations or attachments. And uh, you read some of these stories, and they just blow your mind even today. And um, she wrote another book that I, I'm recommending to anyone even today that this is a classic. It's, uh, it's uh, her book about psychic protection. And, uh, is, that, is that the one that's called Psychic Self-Defense? That's it, Psychic Self-Defense. Okay, yeah. You read that book. Uh, some of the language is a little prosaic, but um, when you read it, uh, you can look back in your life. I guarantee everybody who picks a copy of this up, it's you know another one of those that you could get freely or buy it you know, on, on Amazon or whatever. Um, you will find that you have been in the presence of people who have used these tools on you. And that uh, if you uh, follow some of her advice, you can recognize these cases of, of auto-suggestion and different things that have been applied to you. And it's a bit of a shocker when you recognize how often it's used um, people. And there are, uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that I, I, I recommend to people who get into uh, paranormal work. Uh, you just need to be aware of these things. And so the, um, to me, in my mind, these are required reading. Uh, that uh, because it's it, it some people have an ability. have you ever been around people who gave you um, you were in their presence and before you knew it you are kind of not you're not yourself you don't feel right and you feel like you've been drained you've had your vitality taken from you have you ever had that where it just feels like they drained I, I've had a few occasions yeah not so well, much, uh, I don't know I can't I well, there's, those are perfectly uh, uh, good explanations of vampires. <laughs> yeah, there is some such thing as psychic vampires. They are very real, and uh, you know the whole, uh, the whole uh, vampire genre, kind of comes from that. Uh, there's a lot to it, and uh, you know they. She talks about that both in the uh, the, the book about Dr. Taverner. You know, in those in that quote fictional stories, which were actually all modified to get past the British censorship of the day, you know, mm -hmm. and you have you know psychic self defense, which is really uh, you know tells it like it is and doesn't pull punches. And uh, she she was uh, ahead of her time, and uh, still has my respect. She died in like uh, 1946, um, and uh, she'd been at it. Uh, you know, I think she died in her 60s. Yeah, she was born in the 19th century, but she um, she was so ticked off at Hitler. She got a bunch of people together, and they did occult rituals to uh, to uh, stop Hitler in his tracks. So there were a bunch of British occultists that were actually uh, participating in the war. And there's a book I have. It's kind of hard to come by, but there's a book about um, them, you know, Dion Fortune and a bunch of others that were. Uh, basically banding together to stop Hitler cold and they were working him 
And I, and it was a battle of the occult forces going on between the German occultists and the British ones. And you want to talk about some weird stuff. I mean, you want to read some strange history. I mean, you think you understand what's really going on. Yeah. You know, read some, <laughs> your mind will be. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, uh, I, I hope people do kind of take it seriously though, with the, even if you forget all these other things, you know, definitely look at the psychic self-protection book, um, read that and just prepare yourself because I guarantee you, you will have met people who are unscrupulous and who use these gifts in ways that shouldn't be done. Right. And, uh, and the, the, the Taverner book is another one. Just, you know, get them both, you know, uh, you know, get them on Kindle and then flip through them and you'll just, you find yourself coming back to them again and again, because I find um, if you, if you find yourself around people that drain you or you find yourself with people that, you were around them and you have no idea what they said and you can't remember anything that happened, but suddenly you wake up and you, you know, from like a fugue and you're like, I've got coffee in my head. I've been with this person three hours. What happened? Well, you might've just been the victim, the victim of some stuff. And, uh, <laughs> you want to be thinking about the association you have with that person. Yeah. So yeah, there, these things do happen, unfortunately in the world. And there's, uh, uh, the, the whole notion of the occult is uh, based on uh, the application of scientific laws that we yab, have yet to understand. And that's something that Dr. Tavener you know, talked about at a little bit of length in the book. Uh, but, um, yeah, you run into these things. So just, just, just a little kind of my uh, little pet, some of my pet research projects that I've done over the years. And these books, they will open your eyes. So, anyway, I'm going off on tape. They'll check them out. Definitely. Yeah. It, the, I, I, the world isn't what you think it is. <laughs> Everybody thinks that they understand the world. They think that the world they see in front of them is, is what really is. It ain't anywhere close to the real world. The real world is uh, based on powers and uh, illusions and um, deceptions and, uh, uh, application of forces that you know uh, most most don't ever see or depreciate, and if you uh, when you start to appreciate these things, you can wake up and see the world as it really is, and it can be uh, daunting and scary for some people when they first realize that it isn't what they they thought it was. They feel like they're unsafe. I think it's unsafe not to be aware. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. Be aware of uh, the, the real nature of the universe and uh, the that you live in and recognize that there, you know, all the world is a stage and that's uh that's the more true than ever right now with everything going on. Everybody thinks they understand what's happening. And the news is saying this. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a nice cupie doll. You got shaking in front of me there. You know, why don't we yeah. look the curtain? I would look check out that secret. The doctor of Tavern B. Yeah. Dr. Tavern. I'll, I'll get, I'll get the door. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, you know, it, get the PDF, you know, save yourself a few bucks, but um, but you know, when you read through that, it will uh, it'll blow your mind. I, I like to listen on audio tape, so your audio with the PDF, I can just set it off and then I just do my thing and I listen to the book. But that's what I do. I use uh, yeah, if I put it into whatever program I have, I can set to read it for me because I. Yeah, 
it's yeah, works all year for, for me. So, so give them a listen and uh, or a look and uh, and tell me what you think. I'd like to get your perspective because I think when you you've been at this long enough, you've seen enough, you've danced around the edges of this stuff for a long and long time, and uh, this is kind of like getting slapped upside the face with a you know with a dose of uh, of pulling uh, <laughs> back the curtain. When you thought that you know, thought the stage was the real play world, and then you suddenly see, you know, whoa, what what's this? Uh, when I first read it, I was like, I, I actually kind of got, I, I thought this is all BS. And then the more I read, then the more I started uh, testing testing the theories behind it, and I started realizing, oh my god, this is the real thing. Uh, she was actually being. Uh, uh, I think the thing with Dion, she is she was being as real as she could be in the times when you had the establishment working very hard to, uh, uh, keep those truths secret. And she ran a lot of risks to do that because there was a lot of, uh, a lot of different people that had their own idea of how the world should work. And, uh, a lot of these people are still in, you know, uh, they come from various families and they see the world according to what they, uh, they think we should be uh, seeing it as, and uh, that's evidenced by our institutions and by the you know the different uh, things you know the mainstream media, all that. So, you know, it 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 opens your eyes to be able to let your mind see things as they are, not as you wish them to be, which is really scary for people. So, you know, take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. If you think I'm full of BS, great, live your life. Don't take, the, <laughs> don't take the red pill, take the blue pill. and just. <laughs> if you take the red pill, I guarantee you, it'll never be the same world you lived in again. You'll be, you'll be thanking me later, but, uh, I don't know. I don't feel like Neo, but boy, I, I can understand where he's coming from. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, we got, we got off into some wild stuff there, my friend. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you, I mean, it's just um, when I first started off as a kid uh, and I running into the spirit world, I had no idea I'd be led down these kind of pathways. I mean, it's um, it's just sobering, you know, when you recognize that uh, that people people have all these strange agendas and you find the world is not like you thought it was. Um, but you know, the thing is that the EVP in the spirit world. Um, I think that a lot of why this, why the denial of the spirit world is so vehement, you know, from uh, the powers that be is that the spirit world doesn't lie. <laughs> you know, more often than not, they're telling the truth and they're telling it like <laughs> it is. And uh, that's not popular with some folks, you know, that don't want things to come out. So um, that's why I think, uh, I, that's why I think our, our business of we do and you and I do. Um, is so uh, is so looked down upon because the skeptics that they just don't want it to be known. And um, all you have to do is look at the search engines. You know, if you go oh, out, yeah. on, if you go to the search engines right now and you look at anything like uh, paranormal phenomena of any type, UFO, you know, EVP, uh, uh, cryptids, all these things hmm. we know to be true. All we know they we know there's all you know buckets of evidence for all this and yet the first thing you see is all the 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 uh, uh the negative articles written by the mainstream media and none of the stuff from the experts who actually have the real evidence that's all way down in the search results it's always 
the negative stuff floats to the top and that's by design. That's not by, uh, that's not by, uh, accident that happened. That's there's, there's a purpose there. They, they want the masses not looking at this stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'm on my soapbox. You gave me the chance to do my thing. <laughs> anyway, you like my, you like my EVPs then? So how about oh, yeah. EVPs, man? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I like them. And, uh, I guess so. Well, have to have a nurse though. Do you see Cause I, I asked him if we can share some time, and I got digging out there. Well, I'll tell you what. Anyway. You, if I'll tell you what, we should do an episode. Maybe you and I could ping pong shows. I'll bounce this one off you here. Um, you read, if you read those two books by Dion Fortune, and we do a Dion Fortune episode on my show. I'll have you on, and you, and then you and I can bounce ideas back and forth on this. For a couple hours, that sounds good. And then, <laughs> and then we'll uh, have you know have you bring me back on, and uh, I'll have some more EVPs and stuff for you, and we could kind of, kind of do the same kind of thing. Um, I think it'll be fun. But yeah, if you're up for that, yeah, yeah, I'll bring you into my show, and you know, I caught I'll, him, got him, on, get him on the line. Oh, thank God, there's Scott. Yeah, I like. Yeah, that. Not, not, had a good time tonight. So. Yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll get the, I'll get the bookmark and I'll yeah. I'll start reading it. So, yeah, I'll send you a I'll send you the PDF links. That way, I'll save you a buck. Okay. You know? And okay. uh, and uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'll put them on my uh, website too for people to take a look at and uh, send you that. So if people are interested, um, or if you're interested on the uh, out there on all three different platforms that Scott is streaming to. From his giant radio station in the sky, <laughs> um, yeah. Just, just yeah, visit me on Facebook, and I'll send you the links too. So, uh, for those that are interested, if you want the truth, I'll send it to you. But don't blame <laughs> me for opening your eyes. <laughs> I was sent by God. No, uh, anyway, I'm just teasing. But, but hey, uh, man, thanks for having me on. And I, I'm hungry for spaghetti right now. I got spaghetti waiting for me. I'm ready to. Uh, I'm not sure where I go yet. Not yeah. sure yet, but. I'm afraid to aspirin first. <laughs> well, I hope you I hope you have a great rest of your night, man. But thank you yeah. for having me on and um, uh, putting up with my ravings. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had blast next out. I'll read that book. I'll get to you on that. And uh, I'll okay. keep you first. I'll keep All first. right. High five and right back at you. <laughs> thank you, man. Yep. Hey, you, you, you bet. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. I'm going to wish you and uh, all the audience a great rest of your night and uh, be safe, everybody out there. Okay. <laughs> Have a morning, everybody. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye.